bad, bad whiskey. Bad, bad whiskey. Bad, bad whiskey. Made me lose my happy home. Hello, welcome to the quarter to three movie podcast for Kingsman Golden Circle. My name is Tom Chick. I'm here with Christian Murkowski. Uh, I'm known as Root Beer, but anyone who knows me calls me Beer. <laughs> and a Kingsman Golden Circle taglinist, Kelly Wand. What? <laughs> was, that, was that the tagline, or was that one of them, Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I had three, and I erased them all for that. <laughs> Are there more? There's two, but they're not as good. All right. Uh, Stand pat. Should I? No. These no, no. These right. are... Don't let Dingus discourage you from doing your tagline. There were some lame ones that I replaced with what? So I think the ones I what that one's okay. All right. Well, it cleared a bar that that's not up to what level, but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, finally, a movie where Jeff Bridges plays this guy. <laughs> <laughs> What else? R.I.P. Trigger. For proper use of Annie's song, see Free Fire. That's called Annie's song? Yeah, because he wrote it for his woman. That's the name of that song. Yeah. Yep. Let me give my life to you. Does he ever say Annie's song? Is that a lyric in it ever? No, but here's the thing. He wrote it on a ski lift after they got in an argument. Ah, ski lift. Not a gondola, though. So it does kind of tie in. I would have had no... Did you have to look that up, or did you guys know it was called Annie's Song? If someone had said to me... told me that. Okay. But you would assume that, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you go, oh, it's he wrote it for a lady, or he pretended to? Well, yeah, but I would have assumed it was called whatever the lyric is that he's singing. That's how how songs work, Kelly Wan, is whatever you're singing, that's the name of the song. The words you sing are what the song is called. Well, you can't... There's no cool rhymes for Annie, maybe he thought. And also maybe he thought, wait, this song's really good. I don't I'll just call it Annie's song. Go, yeah, it's for you, baby. But you know, this is gonna go platinum, so I need to I gotta keep it gender neutral. Was Wind River the other John Denver movie? What was uh, the other movie? Was- Free Fire and Alien Covenant. Free Fire? No, it wasn't Alien Covenant. Yeah. No. It was, and that's uh, what- yes. Logan, it was Logan Lucky and Free Fire. Oh my God, Logan Lucky. That's right. Ugh. But in, in Alien Covenant and Logan Lucky, it was that "Take Me Home" song, not Annie's song. Oh right, right, right. Dingus, I think he's right. Danny was oh, right. It was in. Yeah. So it's been in four movies. It's a big yeah. year for John Denver. Yeah. I know yeah. four movies. Yeah. Mm. The new one. Free Fire had Annie's song, and Alien didn't. I, I think Free Fire did the best job with John Den- Denver. I think we could all I agree. agree. I know, okay. and, there, and then we went, ah, great use John Denver, and then three more movies came out right after. Hey, guess what we've learned? <laughs> well, let's explore more what they've learned, but first let's have Dingus tell the listeners what we saw without spoiling anything, because maybe some of the listeners, they haven't seen Kingsman Golden Circle. And Dingus, they're don't, Yeah, they're listening. Don't give anything away. Just give them the basics. All right, so this week we saw Kingsman, colon, The Golden Circle. Oh. A 2017 action-adventure spy comedy sequel John Denver Cinematic Universe movie about how Kentucky is apparently the same place as West Virginia. It was directed by Matthew Vaughn oh. and written yeah. by him with Jane Goodman uh. based on the comic book 
The Secret Good. Service by Mark Millar and Dan See, Tom, comics. Look what you're missing. I, well, I, I know enough about comics to know which ones I hate, so yeah. It stars Taryn Egerton, <laughs> Hannah Alstrom, mm. Julianne uh, Moore, sure, sure. Poppy, Poppy Delavigne. What? Her Poppy Delavigne. Which one? That's the character, or that's a, that's an actress. That is an actress. Her name is Which Poppy Delavigne. Yeah, see he Kelly Wand. Yeah, who who was po- Kelly Wand? Who do you think? Character's name like that. Who wouldn't go? Poppy Delavigne. That's character. That's the the name of the character is Clara. Who is the one that he um, infiltrates? Uh, and she is, by the way, related to Kara. Oh, our favorite. So she's the. There's the talented and attractive Delavigne, and then there's the other one. And then there's this one who gets sexually assaulted in this movie. She's so the L. Poppy Delavigne is in this. Sexually uh, assaulted Dingus, really? Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. How? How is that in the same? Oh, we can certainly. She's on board. Oh, yeah, okay. I, okay. she's in. She's on board with having a device inserted into her. No, but she wants stuff in her, and he's just multitasking. Okay, multitasking. You're saying it's a Fine. sexual assault because there's no sex, basically. No, <laughs> I'm saying, saying it's sexual assault because she didn't consent to that happening. Like, yeah, because being bugged is not is not an inherently sexual thing. She consented to the sex. She didn't. It, it's basically an invasion of privacy and not a sexual assault. I mean, I, I think you uh, your, your legal terms are a little bit muddy there. Well, well I don't. Got. I don't think getting something popped into your vagina is not a sexual assault. Well, he's keeping if a you safe. Didn't, like this. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, we'll leave this to Judge Gorsuch when it comes up in the Supreme Court. Anyway, Mark Strong is also in this, as is Pedro Pascal. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Kingsman, colon, The Golden Circle is rated R. Well, for, for sequences of strong violence. Wrong. Sad. Drug, drug content. <laughs> <laughs> language, language throughout. Uh-huh. This is player in my list. And... Some sexual material. Kelly Wan, what did they leave out? The MPAA normally does a heck of a job, but sometimes they need a little help from you. What do you now got? I just feel dumb because they really cleaned up this on this. But uh, I was offended by uh, – I saw some CG fighting, uh, mild drug use, a robot, and the president of the United States portrayed as an asshole and a buffoon. <laughs> <laughs> I just found that really offensive and very implausible, like even for the movie. Like I was just like – you just take him out. I, my disbelief suspension only goes so far. Uh, critics weren't really happy with it either, Kelly Wan, for whatever reason. I didn't read the reviews, but if you look at yeah. Rotten Tomatoes, 50% of the reviews are positive, which means 50% of them are negative. Mm. Wait, is that their review of the movie or the presidency? Kelly Wan, I'm not sure if you know how Rotten Tomatoes works, but no. uh, if you haven't I learned by now, week. still don't yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> Kelly, what about Metacritic? If I told you that it's 45 on Metacritic, what would you think that means? Uh, it's consistent. <laughs> and on CinemaScore, what if I told you it got a B plus? Um, it's much higher than Mother. <laughs> That's <Ooh>. true. That's <laughs> true. Idiots like this movie way more than Mother. B plus though is kind of a low grade. Like you don't want a B plus. You need your A minus at least. 
That should be the bottom level. I saw uh, this in an audience, idiot, and they seem to really like it. It wow. opened at number one with uh, $39 million, which is actually up $3 million uh, as far as the uh, op- the opening weekend for the original Kingsman. So uh, it's on an upward trajectory. More success ahead. The other one came out in January, I thought, though. Is that yeah. true? No, I think it was February. Right. But but in that in that, that wasteland. Of, yeah. Okay. I noticed they're releasing the Tomb Raider movie in that window with Alicia Vikander. It was also a Daredevil. Daredevil was uh, Valentine colored. You know what else came out in uh, early in the year, Kelly Wand? The Gray. <laughs> did you That's say the, Val- that would make did you say Valentine colors? colors? Yeah. Valentine colored is funny because the uh, original villain was named Valentine. In Daredevil. Hey, you guys can talk about your comic books. I don't understand. In Kingsman. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, oh, how can you not remember that? It's just like when Mark Strong holds up a little doodad and says, remember this? You're supposed to remember that stuff, Kelly Wan. <laughs> well, Valentine does so go with that character, so I see why Dingus remembered it. Because that guy, <laughs> he was Sam Jackson lisping eating McDonald's. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's right, I Valentine. forgot about the product placement. That's right, how could I forget that? <laughs> well, Kelly Wan, uh, go ahead and spoil McDonald's. The Golden Circle. Just give us a synopsis of everything that happens. Don't worry about spoilers. Don't worry about spoilers. Correct. That should have been the colon. <laughs> King's Mopsis. The Goldston Serpsis. While I try to remember anything at all from the first movie, except the chick with CG legs and Sam Jackson eating McDonald's, Eggsy comes out of his undercover spy headquarters, which is cleverly disguised as a place that says Kingsman in big letters above the door and has a bunch of product placement in the window. (laughs) That's the one they can't blow up, too. I don't know where that is. I look over at Jaden and go, I really hope they explain how Colin Firth and Julianne Moore's characters got from a single man's ending to be on different sides in this movie. (laughs) No retcon. A guy in a hoodie walks up to Eggsy and goes, I was in the first movie. They get into a taxi and start fighting while a Prince song plays. (laughs) Some other cars chase them and don't do anything. (laughs) since we're never shown the drivers of these cars i worry eggsy will die eggsy tricks his friend by pulling his metal arm off then making him fly through the windshield while eggsy tricks gravity by crouching while the three pursuing cars wait patiently eggsy hits a button that makes the taxi go sideways and its hubcaps fly off so that now it turns into a car still <laughs> Same shape. He drives around a traffic circle in slow motion while the soundtrack's all dun 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 until the other cars all blow up. He drives some more until Stanley Tucci wearing a headset's all. <laughs> oh my god! No, he's all. Wow. He's all, Exy, you have to drive underwater for a while. <laughs> I look over at Dick Van Dyke sitting beside me and go, a car that drives underwater. Dude, aren't you glad you live long enough to see that in a movie? 
Chitty chitty bang bang. I guess it didn't go under the water. Eggsy gets to a tunnel place made out of brick CG. Tucci's all, okay, Eggsy, now you have to swim in that sewage. Eggsy's all, um, couldn't I just swam under the water and use the car for this part? Also, England hasn't had a king since 1952. Tucci's all, Kingsman, hangs up. Eggsy drowns in the sewage. <laughs> Eggsy drowns in sewage and walks home to his girlfriend, the princess of Sweden. They live in an apartment together. <laughs> she promised him anal sex in the first movie if he let her out of a prison cell. So now they're monogamous. Eggsy opens his arms and goes, I haven't felt this drenched in filth since our anal sex. Come here and kiss me, 40-year-old princess. She starts to, so he laughs at her for liking him, and then he leaves the house to get drinking. <laughs> You were going to do it, idiot. <laughs> Meanwhile, Julianne Moore leaves acting to play a villain in a Kingsman movie. <laughs> I mean, to become a drug dealer on a jungle island somewhere. While off screen, she points to a movie theater marquee in CG jungle fronds and goes, as you can see, I'm arbitrarily obsessed with the 50s. <laughs> an old man with a white beard and an ethnic person with a dark mustache facing her are all, uh, yeah, this wasn't what the 50s really looked like. Jungle? She's all, Sam Jackson like McDonald's in the last one, which began in the 50s. I like the whole decade. The golden circular age of drug selling in America. 50s. Now, the way I grow my manpower is very simple. One of you put the other one into this mincer and eat his head. The two guys eventually work out which one she means. Then, some CG dogs show up and lick their balls. Julianne Moore's all, see? CG dogs. Elton John. 50s. <laughs> Matthew Vaughn wrote what I'm describing. She walks over to the unarmed, the unarmed, the one-armed guy, and goes, by the way, I had my pushers make you this. She hands him some vaguely arm-shaped CG and goes, I call it deep limb pact. <laughs> Take that, Vaughn. She has a robot do something unspecific to the mince fight winner's teeth and then tattoo a zero of gold into his chest hair. Julianne's all, see? Dentistry. Tattoos. 50s. <laughs> Meanwhile, she's so colorful. Meanwhile, the robot arm Eggsy dumbly left in the taxi hacks the taxi's backseat dashboard and taps a red warning window on it. <laughs> they don't notice. <laughs> King's been... Computer guys aren't aware of any of this happening. That says, allow Julianne Moore to blow up 10 places with missiles. The Kingsmen have no defense against missiles and die one by one while their fellows look at their disappearing holograms with disinterest and stay seated. As missiles blow up his dog and platonic lady friend because of his negligence, Eggsy's all, no! <laughs> robot arm. Matthew Vaughn stands up in the front row and goes, yeah, this story beats an homage to me watching T2 while I wrote this part. 
Eggsy stands around in the ashes doing nothing till Stanley Tucci walks up in a captain's hat and goes, my character likes John Denver. Uh, we should set that up a little. <laughs> Eggsy's all, really? You have a character? Tucci's all, I know, just me and you for the rest of the movie. Eggsy, it's time you learned something we didn't know till we cast this. The British Secret Service also has a Kentucky branch. <laughs> they fly to Kentucky. <laughs> And vandalize a cask of moonshine. <laughs> <laughs> Little Channing Tatum walks up behind them and goes, My name's Prohibition. <laughs> he projectile spits some chewing tobacco to stopper the hole in the cask, like it's Spider Man's web fluid, even though <laughs> chewing tobacco isn't sticky and usually browner. A guy with a mustache played by a very famous actor named Pedro something. (laughs) I said that to my mom. She's like, yeah, he was in it. She was super excited. Uh, Walks up with a jump rope and goes, and my name's Ku Klux. I'm famous for something gross happening to my head on Game of Thrones. So my fate in this should give you an idea of my range. Speaking of which, my superpower is this. Yeehaw! He twirls his rope around till it turns into CG. Halle Berry walks in wearing glasses and goes, I wear glasses in this. <laughs> Jeff Bridges walks up and goes, and I'm Muscatel. People who know me call me Musk, but nobody knows me. It's my only scene. Ha! Eggsy's all. And me name's Eggsy. Get the yoke. After discovering Colin Firth's alive and has amnesia, uh, for medical reasons, they all, except for Halle Berry, obviously, go to a redneck bar to hopefully kill some people. For medical reasons. As they sit in a booth, Eggsy punches Firth in the shoulder and goes, Remember? We had a bar exactly like this in the first Kingsman movie. That's what people want to see more of. The bar's spatial dimensions. So we kept them exactly the same or made them a bit smaller. You're welcome, King's fans. Some bullies with beards and suspenders walk in. Instead of ordering drinks, they walk over as a group in a line to the only occupied table in the bar and point and laugh at Colin Firth specifically. (laughs) One's all, fuck you, chick. Instead of standing up for their mentally disabled friend, Eggsy and Rope Guy also laugh at Firth, but only because their experience with psychological traumas taught them that reprising scenes from the first movie will help this man ignore the bullets still lodged in his brain better. The fat bully points at Firth and goes, Ha ha, you were in the Deep Impact version of Dangerous Liaisons. Colin Firth gets angry, although not visibly. He gets up, crosses the room, and shuts the door, I guess to prevent people outside from enjoying the fight. He's all Manus. He locks it. Marlene. (laughs) Manimal. (laughs) My German audience members coo excitedly. The bartender's all, those are batwing doors. Colin Firth tricks the bullies by getting beaten up by them. Then Rope Guy tricks them by using his lasso to cut them all in half in slow motion. 
the bartender is all, Yeah, my bar's fucking destroyed. Woo! <laughs> Channing Tatum draws a blue line on his face and goes, I'm sick. He walks off screen. There's a quick shot of <laughs> getting put into a tanning bed labeled cryogenics. <laughs> on a TV screen, Julianne Moore's all, 50s. <laughs> Attention, only America and England and Sweden. I've made every drug in the world into poison. Give me money of these four things will happen to you. She shows guys in cages looking bored or exploding. Then she points to a short guy in ostrich feathers in a fifth cage and goes, by the way, I also kidnapped Patton Oswalt. Her broadcast gets poor ratings <laughs> and is canceled. Stanley Tucci hands Eggsy an empty folder and goes, the one-armed guy forgot that social media exists, so his girlfriend's at the Glastonbury Music Festival waiting to have sex with strangers who come up to her and say anything. You need to plant this inside her somehow. Good luck. He gives Eggsy a thimble-sized diaphragm. Eggsy looks disappointed when Tucci's all, and not up her nose. <sighs> That's for the opsis and myself. Eggsy's all, I'll wait till I'm in my target's bathroom before calling my girlfriend to verify this. Some words are all Glastonbury Music Festival of Kentucky, question mark. The one-armed guy's girlfriend stands by a bar doing nothing. Rope guys all. Watch and learn, Frenchie. He sidles up to the girlfriend and goes, Hey, baby, y'all watch Game of Thrones? He sprays Binoc in her eye and goes, This rope ain't the only thing near my waistline that moves in slow motion. Turns into CG. She opens her mouth to not say anything, but then Eggsy walks up and goes, Me name's Eggsy. Get the yoke? She smiles sexily. Hey, that's not bad. You're like a retarded Frank Whaley. <laughs> come on over to my circus tent that I live in at the Glastonbury Music Festival of Kentucky once in the tent since Eggsy's a genius at undercover work the only surviving member of Kingsman, he tells the horny girl taking her clothes off that he has to go take a shit, then sits on the toilet, calls his Swedish girlfriend and goes, um, I have to do a blonde woman who looks like you mostly anyway, so what's the big deal? <laughs> She's all, that sounds like a marriage proposal. Speaking of which, I told my parents how we met and I showed them pics. They fell asleep. If you save the world this time, the fool. What kind of woman do you think I am? She hangs up on him. Eggsy goes into the tent room and tricks the lady by sliding the diaphragm on his fingertip, I think up into her butt. Then he's all, well, bye. She's all, why does this keep happening to me? When Jaden's fart wakes me up, Eggsy and Rope Guy are in a runaway sky car that's spinning around really fast and making Eggsy suspensefully shut his eyes with irritation. Rope guy's all, don't worry, Eggsy. Gravity has no answer for rope. He uses his CG rope to cut a hole in the sky car's glass. <laughs> what an applause moment. <laughs> Dingus didn't stand up for it. Just enjoyed it silently. Which somehow makes them roll inside it down a cliff to a cabin where Colin Firth's standing. Firth's all, this character's a traitor, and shoots Rope Boy in the eye. 
Eggsy's all, no, that character, rope, the rope, uh, rope person. No. <laughs> he and Firth sit in the cabin while a bunch of guys outside shoot poorly at them and don't use grenades. Firth's all, hey, look what my character somehow has. He throws a bottle of cologne that turns their foes off screen into blue wax. <laughs> Beside me, Dingus stands up and goes, Carbonite! <laughs> <laughs> I go, hey, it's like in Immortals when Superman fell in an oil slick, but no one's interested. <laughs> I think about that once a month. <laughs> I always think about it. And he's like angry. He's like, Ugh. His teeth are all super white. Meanwhile, the president's blonde employee complained she's had to take drugs to stay awake during his administration. So based on his Surgeon General's advice, he puts her by helicopter in a cage by herself with everybody else in all these other cages. <laughs> so everyone can see it. Who's doing it? In a big open roof stadium. It's a zero outcry, I guess, from the medical community. Eggsy, Firth, and Tucci decide to attack Julianne Moore's burger restaurant by realizing there are landmines around it and then using magic umbrellas that detect landmines and that constantly get stuck on jungle branches. As they reach their destination, Eggsy's all, hey, look what I can do. He throws his umbrella away and steps on a landmine. Staley Tucci's all, don't worry, I always come prepared. He gets out a spray can labeled in case Eggsy's dumb again, one charge left. <laughs> <laughs> sprays white CG all over Eggsy's foot and he goes this will freeze the firing pin for one split second that's how good it is starting now Eggsy takes his foot off for some reason Tucci puts his foot on it <laughs> and he's all okay you guys keep going I'll stay here and alert the enemy to your presence by singing John Denver with <laughs> God, we have these umbrellas. Hopefully, instead of shooting me, they'll just walk slowly towards me. <laughs> Drawn by the sound of my singing voice. Side of me, smiling. Expectantly, as if I'm planning something. And I'm in a minefield that they know about. While I nod slowly to each of you in front of them. Hopefully, they don't notice. Uh, you're welcome. Good luck. <laughs> None of that is embellished. None of that. <laughs> Matthew Vaughn wrote that went. You're actually He's reading there. the script right now. Yeah. It's him describing it to Okay, this part I'm really proud of this. It's very emotional. I w I'm only bummed John Denver didn't live to see you. Tribute I'm giving to his thoughtfulness. <laughs> and he's all, whoa, just use more of the spray. Tucci's all, nope, can's empty. <laughs> Hastily throws it away. First, all, how is that possible? You just said you always come prepared. Eggsy, our journey together began the moment we met. <laughs> Assault. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you had plenty of time to take your foot off there while you were talking. <laughs> nope. 
Matthew Vaughn storyboarded this. <laughs> so. Genius. John Denver may have written any song 10 minutes. Matthew Vaughn spent three weeks thinking this out. He starts singing Grandma's Feather Bed loudly. Eggsy and Fur giggle and run off to stand in the trees nearby and do nothing. Some shit blows up. While Colin wanders off to run from the dog CGs, the one-armed guy fights Eggsy with his new magic arm, which now has the terrifying power to shoot its hand off on metal springs and Eggsy constantly. The first time he uses I'm like, what? That's supposed to be better? <laughs> yes, it's a boy. Eggsy has two arms. He wins easily. Then he grips the villain's head off screen since this part's not about him and goes, This is for Roxy and JP and Stanley Tucci. The guy waits patiently off screen, theoretically ruining his actions. <laughs> Eggsy's all. And for Sam Jackson. And Sam Jackson's character in Triple X, too. The guy breaks his own neck off screen by just turning his head. So Eggsy gets up and goes in to confront Julianne Moore as Colin Firth kills the dog CG by using CG. Saul, careful Eggsy. Julianne Moore is the most powerful, tricky opponent, villain we've ever faced. Eggsy injects poison into Julianne's arm and asks her for the code that'll save all the drug users. She's all. Visa V slag and 50s. Ugh, topples over. Eggsy's all, ha ha, I killed her. Sure hope she didn't think of lying. Suddenly, Rope Guy shows up. He's all, by the way, I'm a traitor because my wife was killed by meth heads. <laughs> <laughs> she rose ahead of me. Matthew again, just straight from script. Well. Yeah, without any. Uh, yeah, my wife was killed by meth heads. Few rows ahead of me, Matthew Vaughn laughs hysterically, then looks around and coughs. Firth and Eggsy trick Rope Guy by outnumbering him two to one and turning him into a hamburger. The parents and children of his dead wife, killed by meth heads, all walk on screen, stare at the hamburger meat, and look at Eggsy and go, thank you. The parents of the meth heads walk up and laugh and point at those people. On Fox News, an anchorman's all. And in exposition news, not only are we here at Fox News horrified at how drug users have been treated, but also by how much the president's been abusing his power. Thankfully, he's just been arrested by his blonde employee, but this being the end of the movie. Everyone in America cheers for Fox. Halle Berry and Eggsy wake up Channing Tatum and stuff him into a Kingsman suit. Halle Berry's all, okay, Channing, from now on only get drunk. No weed. Fucking idiot. He doesn't say anything. A guy at a board meeting is all. Now that rope guy's dead, Halle Berry's now an assassin. Everybody claps and yawns. Eggsy and the anal Swedish girl get married. Their wedding rings are intertwined golden circles that Matthew Vaughn shows us in close-up without irony. They make Channing Tatum stand in front of the Kingsman window in his Kingsman clothes that didn't get blown up and do nothing. Some words tell me who explained Jeff Bridges' role to him. The end. <laughs> Kelly Wand, once again, you've made me glad I saw a movie that was pretty terrible. Uh, Thank you, my, Kelly. My over Wand's the real hero. Yes. Uh, my over and under are directors making sequels without understanding the appeal of their first movie. Oh, uh, because I, I think this 
that this movie thinks we care about stuff like who this sexy guy is and this this anal sex joke is now his wife and we're supposed to care that hey they're getting married we're supposed right. to care about him being conflicted about having sex with her we're supposed to care about this weird stuff about Colin Firth's regression to youth you know we saw uh, Kingsman and we cared about Colin Firth being awesome uh, and despite whatever problems that movie had it, it still had this this amazing church church massacre scene which is about a proper english traditionalist driven insane and goes to, he's driven to these insane lengths of violence and then he's summarily executed and it's a great shocking moment it's an amazing bit of choreography and violence and the music it's set to uh it's provocative because no one's safe i love that scene i love how it ends uh, it's a fantastic piece of storytelling in the original Kingsman because we cared about Colin Firth, because we, we cared about how English and how cool and how traditional he was. Um, and then that scene happens. So this movie just doesn't understand that because in this movie, Colin Firth is either simple or we're suspicious of him or he's being distracted. Um, there's none of this idea where he's a cool English guy who's always got the upper hand and the whole joke that the movie thinks is funny is no, he doesn't have the upper hand, and it's not a funny joke. I, I paid to see Colin Firth be Britishly awesome, and instead he's frittering around, and we get a bunch of celebrity cameos instead. So I don't think Matthew Vaughn understands certainly why I liked bits of the first Kingsman, uh, and a movie that's better than this, and quite a bit better, even though I had issues with it. Uh, I think there's a similar issue with John Wick 2, the original John Wick, super simple. Keanu Reeves is handsome, his clothes are awesome, his car is sweet, and his dog is cool. Oops, that, that got screwed up. Now he's mad and he shoots people. That's a great formula, and I think John Wick 2 uh, kind of screwed it up a little bit by trying to do some additional things that I don't think worked. My under, and I would put Kingsman down with this thing, uh, I don't think Ridley Scott understands anything about Alien when he made Prometheus. He just clearly shows that he doesn't understand why his original 79 movie was great. Prometheus is just a piece of junk, and I, I would put this down there with uh, Prometheus. All right, so uh, Kelly Wand, give me an over and under in your overall assessment of Kingsman the Golden Circle. Well, when I saw Kingsman, the first one, I was a bit of an eggsy apologist because I didn't think he got on my nerves as much as I was expecting him to. And the movie's at least about him and his journey. And in this, he's not good. And like you said, Colin, I think we're supposed to think Colin Firth does have the upper hand because he guesses the traitor and he throws the blue cologne wax stuff. And that's supposed to be your your well your thank your your welcome from the filmmakers. Mm hmm. But there's no there like the first movie had those exploding heads and there was a sense of scale. And I can't I have the to me, the, I always get really depressed in a movie when the spy feels reluctant to seduce a target like in Austin Powers too, or like a like I don't, I don't it seems like a modern revisionist thing, like something James Bond would never deal with. Like, I'm not interested. I couldn't care less. That's a stupid problem to have. Um, so my over and under about new movies about new spies um, and my over was the triple X sequel, the return of Xander Phage, because it was kind of like this, but it was much funnier. I thought even if it wasn't meaning to be, but I remember laughing a lot during mm -hmm. that. And in this, I just felt annoyed and like nothing was funny to me and none of the lines were good. All the writing terrible in this movie. 
Uh, and my under is never too young to die. That one with John Stamos and Gene Simmons is the uh, hermaphrodite from the eighties. It's like his first day on the job. Um, and you're not so recommending. I don't. I don't know that movie. So you're not recommending that to us. Yeah, it's kind of boring. <laughs> um, All right, Dingus. What's a movie that's better than Kingsman: Golden Circle? A movie that's not quite as good. And what did you think of it? All right. Before I say that, I just want to call out Kelly Wan's um, dangerous liaisons joke because I freaking love like that. Belmont. I, oh, I, thank you. I don't. I don't like Belmont very much, but I think that's just a brilliant joke, and I just have to make a point of saying, and that's the Milos Forman, right? Yeah, that's Bel- Milos Forman. That's yeah. that's just a great joke. I just have to. I just have to give you props for that, man. That's great. It's freaking great. I, um, it makes me feel old. Like I'm still thinking about it when I see Colin Firth. I never do. I would never have thought of that. But I love that you. I love that you made that link. That made me very happy. Um, so anyway, that's it's always weird when two things come out in the same year. And yeah. One's a hit, and the other one, no one gives a shit about. Right. And so is the first one that's the hit, like the Capote. I guess Armageddon. Yeah, because yeah. for my name gag, I almost went with the Deep Impact joke. Man, I love that you actually did one. So I, this was a really good, uh, this is a really good opsis. And that dangerously has on things. I was worried I about it. I freaking loved it. No, you had nothing to worry about. You it's made it, as job. Tom said, you made it, uh, you made it much more pleasurable as as did the guy sitting next to me uh who i will talk about in a little bit but first uh i went with movies that think they're funny but they're not mm-hmm. uh, or they think they're funnier than they are um, so so i actually went with as my under uh, the xander cage movie uh i put as my under because i don't think it's as funny as it thinks it is but i think this movie is slightly funnier um, so you you okay. put that as your over. I put Triple uh, uh, X. The you think this is funnier than Triple X? I think it had more moments that I laughed at. All right. Um, and I, I wish think I that, felt the same. I think I'm that sure. Vin Diesel is is more smug than than. That's funny to me though. He's so caught. He's like he wear, he's wearing a fur coat and swaggering around. Like, Check me out. Right. And I'm like, dude. Yeah. Go play D D. So anyway, a, a movie that I. Th- think thought it was funnier than it was was man from uncle oh, i like that one wait that's yeah. your under that's my over i would put, over. Uh, yeah, i okay. put man from uncle over but slightly or i didn't really care for it uh for uh for many different reasons that uh, movie? Yeah, okay but uh, uh i was pretty disappointed in this movie and um i liked it actually for the first 20 minutes um and that's when the couple sitting next to me, uh, about the time, the most interesting thing about the movie were, were was the guy sitting next to me uh, and his wife. And they walked out. Right <laughs> Wait. 20 minutes in, they left. Oh, that's hilarious. Let's go into Mother. Fuck this shit. They were the most fascinating people. I, I, I don't know if I've ever been to a movie what where... Think, what they think they were saying? I don't how, know. but How but less... I, I, yeah. I think the guy had. I mean, they were they're a little bit older than I am, um, and the guy. I got there just like in the middle of the previews because I went to our our local theater where there's ten thousand previews, uh, and I usually close my ears for most of them. But this guy was talking to the previews, and I, <laughs> so I think 
I think he had kind of a mental thing going on, but uh-huh. he was saying so many awesome things that I was just, I was just praying. Oh man, I, you know, usually I get really upset when people are talking during a movie, and I'll say, okay, can you can you keep it down or what, whatever. But this guy was saying so many funny things during the previews that were just obvious, almost like Tourette's level kind of things. And I'm not trying to make fun of this anyway. I don't mean that. Well, it was kind of like that. It was, it was like, um, it was like, uh, I'm Matt Damon, uh, when the Matt Damon preview came up, uh, and he's good at South or, uh, and and he said, Oh, this is a disaster. And he, this was about the George Clooney movie with Matt Damon in it. And the guy goes, I really liked his mom, Rosemary Clooney. And he says this in full voice. Uh, and so there was a lot of that going on. Um, uh, I, his material is the problem. When the uh, Laura Croft, when the Tomb Raider uh, preview came up, uh, there's there's something that says, what's your name, Laura? And the guy said, Croft, who wants to see this? Are you serious? They're remaking this? And he was just talking full voice, and the woman sitting next to him was trying to shush him a little bit. And I'm like, I am not going to shush this guy at all. And he said a few things during the movie that I really I thought were funny. Just not not in a way that I was laughing at the guy, but just that I thought, oh, you're you are enhancing my experience of watching this movie so much. And then as soon as we got to the mincer, uh, the two of them like put their heads together, they got up, and they walked out. What? So they did not know they were going to see an R-rated movie. I would have thought Kingsman's could... perfect for that. Nope. As soon as the mincer happened, they, you know, he had been talking and, and carrying on and just excited and laughing. And as soon as the mincer happened, they put their heads together, stood up, and walked out. Uh, and I was, I was like, <laughs> that's their line of the sand. Please, please stay, because they were making the movie so enjoyable for me. And up until that that point, I was kind of enjoying it. But uh, I, I really think this movie is about uh, this movie is like two and a half hours long. It's yeah, and you feel really. every minute of it. And yeah. uh, I, so I really think it's it's an hour, at least an hour too long, if not two and a half hours too long. Oh my god, you feel every minute of this movie. Jeez. Anyway, There's sorry. There's only like three action sequences or four. That's well, also why I think that I don't. I don't think Matthew Vaughn understands the appeal of the first movie. There's all this Kelly one. You called it padding. Yeah. There's all this stuff that that I, no one cares about. Like who right. shows up to see a spy worried about seducing a target? You know, who shows up to see a guy being cured of amnesia and having visions of butterflies? No, I mean I don't. What I have no idea if this is from because the original I think was. You know, Dingus, you mentioned it was based on these Mark Miller comic books. I don't know if this is from one of those comics, but it's not. They they deviated because it wasn't out yet. So they this was Matthew Vaughn coming up with his own shit. So you can't we can't hang it on the comic. I don't even know. And the Colin Firth character is not in the comic apparently. It's like his what? uncle. Thing. Oh, jeez. Okay. Uh, well, I, I mean, I guess that's. I'm guessing it's the only reason it got made is I can't. The the, the guy playing Eggsy, I think, is just. I, I'm with you, Kelly Wan. I didn't recall minding him that much, but he's just a non-entity for me in this. Like, he he's, he looks like a, he's a good-looking model who's relaxed on screen, and that's it. There, there's nothing there. He doesn't get uh, to do anything in this, though. Like, he doesn't yeah, get a shot because yeah. he's so surrounded, and all these cameos of characters who don't do anything is really yeah. weird. Right to have that. Weird. Jeff Bridges just does that, like one yeah. scene, 
couple of scenes. And yeah, Channing Tatum. I mean, they literally put Channing yeah. Tatum on ice. <laughs> I know. That's just that was just shocking to me. Like, when he I really showed up. Thought, yeah, when yeah. he showed up, I was like, okay, he's going to be a member of the team. It's yeah. going to be. But but imagine Kelly Wand, and I think I I don't. I think that would have completely upstaged this poor Taron Egerton guy. Like this guy could not have held his own with Channing that's Tatum. That's the challenge, the but maybe they right. could have bantered or something, and it would have been maybe, maybe. Uh, but that's the challenge: is you're you're supposed he's supposed to be the anchor to the movie, so I'm not supposed to be pitying Taron Egerton for getting to work with all these actors and hopefully, you know, earning his keep. Well, I, I think it's a it's, it's another thing going on. It struck me as another Dane DeHaan kind of thing, where this guy's just not uh, up yeah. to. This to be in this the centerpiece of this movie. He's not up to that. Uh, I felt it's funny that you call the, that you call all these things cameos because the one of the final songs is "Word Up," which it's 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 a it's a cover of a song by a group named Cameo. <laughs> Thing is, I think you're onto a plot. <laughs> which, by the way, Markinson hated made that made him hate the movie all the more. The music. Well, just that that particular version of Word Up, I think. And he also, uh, and I love this about Chris. Chris, Chris said, "Why is uh, why is Bob? Den-? He said Bob Denver instead of John Denver." Ah, <laughs> uh, that's, that's his that's his Canadian name, <laughs> which I love because Bob Denver is of course Gilligan. Oh my God, that's right! I knew that sounded right for some reason. Yeah. They have the same hair though, but different colors. <laughs> But I, you know, I really liked that 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 guy in the the first time. I mean, as far as I remember from seeing Kingsman, which is one of those uh, podcasts we had to do, unfortunately, without Tom. What? Uh, Really? Yeah, we did Kingsman Secret Service without you, um, which was which is which is all those are really weird, and I beg you not to listen to them. But I I really liked that guy. I mean, I really liked. Taron Egerton in that, and I, I even, I, I think I re- recall saying that um, he reminded me of a kid who might have been able to fit into the movie Fish Tank because he had this kind of little bit of uh, cute edge to him that he could have uh, like, worked in because uh, he was kind of he's kind of dancey and he kind of had this this weird like uh, flair to him, um, and. He has and developed. we didn't know who he was. Like I liked that he was a stranger no. we'd never seen before, and he's and, surrounded and, by all this. And at the time, I think it was saying something about him being like, like, well, I would, I would expect Hollywood just to plug some random character, some random uh, cute actor from the OC into a movie like this. Um, but uh, this guy was a little bit more interesting to me, and I kind of liked him. Uh, but he's developed. In no, he's developed not at all, is, and, and maybe that's the writing's fault. I mean, the character has not developed. I guess. I mean, he gets sad every now and then, and he has the to deal with his mom in a way. Terrible. But but he hasn't developed as an actor at all, yeah. and uh, and that's really disappointing to me because I kind of liked him in that first movie, and I and I remember, I think I remember uh, championing him a bit and saying, you know, he's. He's got some good stuff. He does some good stuff. He's he's surprising, and he does nothing. There's nothing here that the, the, I like. The, these movies might as, might as well have been filmed back to back for as far as his character. And this is supposed to take place a year later, and a lot has gone on in his life. Uh, but it doesn't seem like anything has gone on. He just seems like the same doofus. 
Another thing, too, is making me crazy about the writing is in the first Kingsman, Sam Jackson plays like a lisping weirdo who eats McDonald's and Colin Firth is he does that like everyone's cast against type kind of. And in this, Jeff Bridges is this guy and like everyone's cast exactly is who you would like. There's no weird casting at all. Well, Julian Moore isn't even a decent villain. She just sits in the jungle somewhere and sends Email. I don't even know what we're like supposed to think about. Like, we're we supposed to be scared of her. Like, whoa, she's evil or she's tough. Like, what is she that I'm supposed to? Like, she's cutting them kind of. She's giving America like kind of a good deal, really. Like, she's not that evil. She's like, I just want money, and then I'll I'll cure millions of people. It reminded me of Dark Knight Rises, where they put the cops in the sewer and then they feed them. And I'm like, what? Why are you giving them food? Which well, I I'm a little confused too about the movie's perspective on what the yeah. the villains. In terms of what the villain's plot is, because it, it, you know, it takes pains early on to do that silly thing where it's showing how ruthless and evil she is, you know, how cavalier she is about violence and killing henchmen, and she demands loyalty, and uh, you know, if you even a minor transgression, you'll meet a terrible ending. So you're right; she's supposed to be super fearsome, but then we have, and I don't know if there's a political point being made here but then we have her advocating for the legalization of drug use and and there's there, there are viable arguments for that uh mm-hmm. not this wholesale yeah let everyone have heroin but there are viable arguments for for moving the slider on what constitutes legal and illegal drug usage uh and we're seeing that move in the u.s and that's 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 a viable hilarious subject matter hilarious so, but when the movie then segues from that to it's going to lead to putting people in cages and stockpiling like it becomes completely absurd and i'm not sure what its perspective is on what julianne moore is doing or is it then trying to flip it and make it where the president is the bad guy but then at the end it even becomes even more weird when channing tatum wakes up and halle berry says to him without (laughs) i Without irony, uh, maybe you should just stick to booze. Yeah, like, like yeah. that. And and like if I was like, well, wait a minute, I thought you were maybe doing a subversive thing where you're thinking, you know, alcohol is the real danger. And what what was the point of that line? How come we're ending on that note? Yeah. Uh, so I was super confused about what it thought it was doing in terms of the plot and how we're supposed to feel about it. It made right. no sense. Uh, and I think there's a lot of stuff about this movie that just makes no sense, even in its own internal fiction. For instance, uh, so Eggsy, uh, he finds out that uh, his girlfriend is infected with the drug, right? So he says to Mark Strong and, and uh, Colin Firth, we got to go now. You know, And he's waiting by that weird cask that transports him to the airplane somehow. He's like, okay, we got to go now. I don't care. We're not prepping. We're going now. We go because he's got to save his girlfriend. That's right. These are the stakes. Now it's a personal thing. So – they're on the mission, and now Mark Strong is standing on the mine, and Colin Firth has to remind him the mission is first, and he's like, bullshit, the mission is first. He was just saying, yeah. regardless of anything, I have to save my girlfriend. Now, because Matthew Vaughn wants to give Mark Strong a heart-wrenching send-off, Eggsy has to decide that suddenly the mission can take a back seat, that he doesn't care about it. Like. He's just yeah. established what his motivation is, and then for this one scene, the movie decides to ignore that, uh, and it makes no sense. Like that's inane. That's that's just this idea of it's almost like different writers wrote different scenes and they just yeah. stuck them together without talking to each other. Right, right. Without stitching what's, it together. Well, either. What's frustrating right. about that scene for me is that this character is making a 
the ultimate sacrifice and and the two other characters are just going to stand around and watch it yeah and because Exy was an idiot like that's not even right (laughs) Right. it it was a noble sacrifice for it was to make up for the fact that they're it was like was Exy an idiot or they they, these mine sweepers like they had mine sweepers and he still steps on a mine like yeah. that's the level of their technology. What? So Mark like, Strong's like, "Don't worry, I came prepared for if you did that and these and you forgot we were holding these umbrellas, so I brought a spray can with one charge." Uh, yeah, he's got a yeah. baseball bat, which I'm supposed to cry, because, you that? know, because we're Americans and we have baseball. Huh? And the and the baseball bat is a minesweeper, but they just forgot to use it. And she can cut them off or or turn them on whenever she feels like it and she says to them oh bring him on in oh he stepped on a mine it's the movie has no and the bad guys know he's standing on a mine the guys who walk towards him know these well even here's another example in that scene where i I presume matthew vaughn thinks we're gonna get super excited and i just want to reiterate i'm I'm bummed i didn't do the podcast with you guys for kingsman because i think that church massacre is a brilliant bit of filmmaking and and it's a brilliantly subversive political statement too. This idea that there's this church and they're a hate group and they're just normal people and Colin Firth indiscriminately and violently, R-ratedly slaughters every last one of them. Yeah. That's a that's a bold R-rated, politically charged, uh, provocative scene. I love mm-hmm. that. And there's nothing like that here. But no. instead, we get. Uh, this shootout in the '50s compound where, for some reason. Why does Eggsy have his briefcase gun instead of just a regular gun? Like that's that that briefcase. Yeah, if you're undercover in a city yeah. or something, <laughs> why is he using that in a jungle? Exactly. That makes no sense. Why didn't he just bring a big ass gun? That that's ridiculous, and it just shows that there's no thought behind this no. action sequence. So and the same with I... the. For the same with like the dogs, like how lethal are the yeah. dogs? It doesn't matter. They'll dispatch this one guy easily, but oh, one of the dogs is now charging, so he has to take them on one at a time. And like there, there's just no sense of stakes or choreography. And Kelly Wan, you're right about that hand. She calls it. We, we he get in, he gets an upgrade. We saw him in action with a mechanical hand, and that's fearsome, right? Like yeah. that early taxi scene. Yeah, he's badass and he's a tough opponent. Now his hand just shoots off. Off of the arm, like you're right, Kelly Wan. That's ridiculous. We get this setup for a really cool new toy because the movie early on is promising it's going to do crazy gadget stuff. Mm-hmm. But nope, his hand just pops forward. Nope. Um, and does he, what? He, 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 the hand does, he, does, he does three different, I think, three different retractable jokes, like things that shoot out and then retract. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's exactly what he did in the first movie. He cannot help but explain his jokes. Or repeat yeah. his jokes. He just can't help it. I mean, that the final joke is that this thing just shoots out a thing and then it retracts back, just like the whip does that. And I mean, come on, come up with something. Well, and if you remember in the first movie, I think the counterpart was Sophie Botella with those blade, those Oscar Pitoris blade legs, right, and right, she didn't right. she didn't have any lines. She looked super sexy and exotic, and those blades looked really weird and creepy. Like that was that was a cool idea, and it was executed very well. And she they was were high heels as well. They were high heels. They were stiletto heels, ah. and she would stab people with them as well as cut them. Right, right. And here the guy's arm shoots his hand off. That was yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I mean, one of the things that Chris Markinson says is he says, speaking of Mark Strong's death, I see the villains went to the same combat school as the army from the last Planet of the Apes movie. 
where everyone getting as close to each other as possible right. and then converging <laughs> on a single point to make it easier to kill them. Yeah. <laughs> it's every movie, too. He's right. It's people with guns walking up to someone and then getting disarmed. And you see it happening, and everything's so telegraphed. So telegraphed that Colin Firth had shot – why he shot that guy? Well, Because the guy's giving all these weird looks and stuff, and it's – you know, I, th- I think that it's, it, this movie falls into, and unfortunately, uh, I did see Baby Driver. I think this movie falls into the uh, Baby Driver thing. Where wait, wait, so I'm, I'm the weird one with the Ansel Elgerber, whatever. I have the, the aversion to him. Before you compare it to Baby Driver, Dingus, what's your, what's your takeaway on Baby Driver? I loathed it, but I don't expect other people to. Oh, I hated it. Okay. I thought it was – I thought it was – just a bunch of bunk, but for the same reason that I that I can't stand this is that I think it's it's a movie that that it's cocky. Doesn't, no, it's it's it doesn't understand how to use thing? music, and so it's going to just substitute a cute pop song rather than understand how to edit a fight scene. So I'm just going to throw in a, a funny song choice that might like be a little bit counter to the idea of a fight and rather than edit the scene in a way that i can say oh that this makes sense as a fight scene and this when you were talking tom about the briefcase or any of that i mean one of the things i liked about the first movie was when they were on the jet and um Mark Strong shows when they're in the in the compound, and Mark Strong says, "Okay, choose your weapon." And Exy chooses the umbrella. He's like, "Nice choice." And that's that's a cool little, little elegant moment. Here, the briefcase doesn't serve any purpose, and the music is constantly trying to um, paint over those mo- those those deficiencies, it, rather than edit a fight scene properly we're just going to throw in an elton john song or a john denver song or uh you know anything else like a prince song we're just gonna throw in a song that and then slow things down a bit rather than actually do the hard work of choreographing and editing this in a proper way we're just we're just gonna do and this is what i think baby driver does constantly it's just we're just gonna throw some music at it and we'll see if the music sticks. Yeah, Ma- Matthew Vaughn's though shtick at least. Uh, well, it 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 it's a one note thing. This idea of the camera flying around the choreography, and to me, it ends up looking like a cartoon. But at least it's yeah. kind of it's kind of it, there, there's motion in it, and you're looking at you know there's a lot of digital work, and it's obviously a lot of effort, and a lot of different studios probably put a lot of time and processing power into it. So I watch that, and I can be kind of like, all right, I guess that's kind of cool. Too bad I don't care about the characters. And you're right, Ding. It's like too bad it's not making any meaningful statement with the music like it did with Leonard Skinner in the first movie. Um, but I I, I, I I disagree that there's no choreography. I think there's choreography. I just think it's pretty inconsequential because there's a lot of thought into, okay, now the camera's going to be here and his arm is going to go there. It just feels like an elaborate cartoon, uh, but it has no consequence or meaning. You're, you are absolutely right when you call it a cartoon because in the first in – the, in the opening sequence of the movie when we're doing the Tokyo Drift part with the cab around uh, – around the uh, roundabout there in, in London or wherever they are. Uh, 
all I could think of was there's no difference so far in what I've seen in this between this and an animated movie. There's no difference yeah. between this and The Incredibles, other than The Incredibles is well-directed, shorter, and uh, and understands pace. Um, this just feels like an animated movie. There's nothing that feels real about this. And so when we come to the Oscars and we're like, best animated movie, why not just nominate this? I mean, <laughs> right. this is an animated movie. You're right, Tom. It's a cartoon. And it's not just a cartoon because the characters are cartoonish. It's because most of the action is animated. It's All of this is animated. And that that bothers me. I mean, one of the things that you and I contended a, a bit about, uh, Tom, one of I really liked the movie Wanted. Uh, and you were like, I, I can't stand a car chase that looks like the cars are just animation it, in a real movie because there's no stakes for me there. And that made a real impact on me. And it made me kind of look at what well, what's the difference between practical effects and animated effects and CG and whatnot. And, and sometimes those things can be blurred, but everything in the first part of this movie just felt like a cartoon. And it's a real disservice, too, to the guys who – like the fact that this movie opened at number one and that people – I guess it's being critically drubbed. Uh, but the fact that this movie is like, – like, compared to what Charlize Theron did in Atomic Blonde, mm, right. like that's the way that's the way you do – because Matthew Vaughn's probably super proud of himself for all of these fight scenes being one shot. It's all one shot. There's no editing. But, of course, there's editing because it's all CG. It's all animated versus what uh, – shoot, who directed Atomic Blonde? That's the guy's name I should remember. David Leach? Is that right? Oh, sure. boy. I feel terrible for not remembering it. I think it's, I think it's David Leach, L-E-I-T-C-H. Right. Uh, but at any rate, that guy – that's how you do a one-shot action, action sequence is you integrate the actor's physicality, and you don't wow. just draw over it. Uh, and that was also something that I think was appreciated a bit in the original Kingsman with Colin Firth's pub scene. Like he's super yeah. – He's super composed throughout that whole scene, and then that again contrasts to the massacre in the church where his hair is coming undone and he's sweating and panting. Like that was a great bit of using the actor's physicality to inform the action sequences. Uh, mm. Here it's just all – it's all yeah, cartoons. Um, uh, Dingus, who did you think Whiskey was? Because it was driving me crazy watching the movie. Kel Real quick, Kelly Wan, did you know that that was the guy who played Oberon? No. Okay, so Dingus, who did you think that was? Because you must have been like me watching the movie going, who is this guy? And they're giving him a big part. Do I just not recognize him under the glasses and the mustache? Who were you thinking it was? I feel totally stupid for saying this, but I thought it was Jeremy Renner at first. Ah! <laughs> I got three for you, Dingus. I variously thought it was Nathan Fillion, Eric, Eric Bana, or William Maypother. <laughs> William Maypother, uh, uh, I could totally see. I just thought they put like a total like prosthetic nose on Jeremy Renner and got him. To do this <laughs> I did. I do kind of like that actor, uh, and I wished uh, like I, I yeah. I just would like to see him in things that he's apparently in that Narcos series. Like that's right. his big claim to fame now. Oh, okay. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> I like William Maypother. I like that. Choice. Yeah. Oh, the par the king and queen of Sweden were both girl with the dragon tattoo. Uh, oh, oh. little international uh, in yeah. little international celebrity casting there. Nice. Hooray right. for Vaughn! More characters doing nothing. 
my audience loved – so I was there on a weekend night. It's the kind of people that would go and for cinema score. So these are the kind of people that would be plusted. But my audience roared with laughter, and it was, it was like crazy laughter to the point that it was like there was tittering aftershocks for a while, and you could hear pockets like continuing to reminisce over how funny that line was. They loved – the old guy saying, "That's the first decent shit I've had in three weeks." Uh, oh. that was that was his second of uh, funny. It was his second funny line that he got to give. That was all right. I won't. I'm. Your that audience was not all right. That was cheap and eat. Oh, old no, people. You know old people can't go to the bathroom. Woo-hoo! No, I know. That's hilarious. I know. I'm only saying the guy's delivery was wasn't bad. My audience clapped like Ew, like, clapped at the end of the movie? Yeah, they, they <laughs> clapped at the that, end of the movie. The end of the shit. <laughs> they were grateful. Well, how, did you, how did you like the uh, the wow. um, the uh, transmogrification of anal jokes in this movie? That's not, my, my audience liked it, and they're German. And Germans are, like, prudish and kinky at the same time. Did they, did they like they the Elton John it. version of the joke? Yeah, they did. They loved right. yeah, they had a huge laugh. Even when the Swedish chick went, you know what that means. If you save the world tonight, at the beginning, they're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and I'd actually so, forgotten that joke. Like a lady told me, she's like, remember that shit? Fuck that. Fuck that movie. That's not good. So, so your audience laughed at Backstage Pass. Yes. Right. Oh, that. Oh, right. Okay, right. That's okay. not bad. I'm not even like, sure I got that. Okay, I didn't. Under- okay, you guys are making me feel silly. All right. And it's Elton John saying it. I mean, that's all right. How do I'm you like saying, Elton John being in this movie? Dumb. I felt bad for him. Yeah, yeah I felt really bad. For He's loving. <laughs> I mean, they, they, at least like Matthew Vaughn gave him a lot of screen time. It wasn't like a Stan Lee thing. Like he gave him a lot of screen time, and he gave him a dumb fight scene, and he got to say "fuck you" all the time. And which, by the way, Kelly Wand, how about that R rating? Yeah. Ugh. I remember thinking this is a great R rating in the first Kingsman. And after this, I was like, was this a PG-13? I thought – so the the moment that the first guy goes in the mincer and there's no blood coming out of the side, it's yeah. just shredded clothing. I was like, oh, OK, it's PG-13. Right. But then, then the F-bomb started piling up, and I was like, wait a minute. They know they're, – they're, they've written an R-rated movie, and they're pulling back on the violence that was in the first movie? What? Yeah. I don't, I don't understand what they're doing. Like, yeah. why don't we get to see him snap the guy's right, neck? Right, right. I thought at least the camera was going to pan down and there would be a gruesome effect of his body twisted around or something. But no, yeah. that was just a weird PG-ish thing to just pan out. Understand. We don't want to see the villain of two movies running die. Like, right. oh. <laughs> what is going on with that? I don't understand what's going on with that. Man, Yvonne's an idiot. That's my right. takeaway. So um, Chris Markinson also says, uh, I guess they only had enough of a budget to have Channing Tatum for a few days of shooting. Why? It was disappointing. Yeah. It would have been nice to have Halle Berry do a little more in the movie. I, I felt like them. Julianne Moore could have done all of her stuff in one day, too. I, I, I mean, I just behind a counter. How do you feel about Channing Tatum in this movie? <laughs> Well, I really, I really do think it's an issue that he would have completely upstaged this guy. Like that, the what this, the actor who should be playing this is an, an amazing young British kid named Jack O'Connell. That's who they need in in Kingsman. That's the guy who could anchor this movie and hold his own with Channing Tatum on screen. And uh, 
that you know, Channing Tatum just would have would have completely obliterated this kid. That's uh, freaking. That's because that guy is freaking solid. Yeah, that's and he great. does that whole. Great. Jack O'Connell has that whole Chav thing going, and he's a good-looking fella, super just easygoing and energetic. Um, but I, yeah. I was dismayed when Channing Tatum showed up because it was the first sign that they're going to introduce a bunch of lame new characters. But I at least expected him to do something. But Jeff, I thought it was a huge mistake to to move things to America and like introduce all these new people. I thought it was because I hated all of them. I thought they were well, really boring. And it totally destroyed the whole concept of this mythos to me. Well, how does it? Well, that's why I think that the name of the movie is dumb. Is it? Why? Yeah. Is it, I mean, the Golden Circle. I mean, what she's doing is basically that's you know, she's over there goals. and she's just hanging out. I think this is, should have been called Kingsman Statesman. <laughs> I mean, right. Right. Why not? Well, well, in keeping with the first movie, Kingsman Secret Service. Absolutely, Dingus is totally right. Yeah. 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 So What's I don't circle represent. So it's I think rugs. you're totally right, Kelly. With given the way that the movie was structured, bringing it over here is weird, and then just making it about alcohol. Is I didn't want it. I, I see Americans with CG all the time. I thought the whole fun thing was, oh look, it's Colin Firth doing R-rated CG. That's I haven't seen that before, at least. And then this this is the, just goes back to shit I've seen in every Marvel movie. Because none of these characters were, they were none of them had any edge and none of them had any quirks. Halle Berry's character does. Halle Berry's character is a frustrated. Uh, she wants to be a field agent, but the guy whose wife was killed by meth heads boats her down, so she can't go into the field. So she's stuck in IT. And then at the end, she gets elected based on nothing. No, nothing she did in the movie at all. Based now, she gets to be, and then they show us uh, Channing Tatum wearing a suit, <laughs> which didn't, which my audience didn't laugh at. Uh, the Halle Berry thing, I think it's like her. It's an origin story for her character. Yeah. It was all origin story. What the <laughs> fuck? I'm not interested. I'm not. If you're gonna do an origin story, you have to make the character at least like Tom Holland level. Like, oh, I want to see what happens to her. Right, right. It's not the origin is not supposed to be the payoff. I'm not supposed to go. Oh yeah, and then they're gonna be good. I, I didn't even. I, di- I didn't even remember the the glasses wearing chick who got missled. Uh, I didn't remember her from the first movie. Um, but she was, you know, she was apparently yeah, supposed to go. Oh yeah, she, it's her. And I was like, what? Uh, and his dog dies. That's funny that you say that because I, I'm pretty sure Chris Barkinson was really annoyed that she just got. Roxy. Uh, uh, yeah, that Roxy just got offed. Well, that's what missiles do, Dingus. That's realistic. Yeah, she gets off, and then the the Queen of Sweden. We're supposed to give a shit about her over Roxy from the first She's a princess. <laughs> She's a princess. Come on. So, uh, still so Chris, says, Chris uh, Markinson says, "How dare they kill off Sophie Cookson's character Roxy? Uh-huh. And how Sophie dare they Cookson. kill off Mark Strong? Those deaths are only okay if the actor." Actors actually asked to be written out, <laughs> and um, I would yeah. agree with that. Other than the fact that uh, that anybody can come back, yeah, exactly. Even if you get shot in the head, yeah, it yeah. doesn't matter. If you get blown up, there's a way that the that the myth the, the mythos of this silly comic book. Yeah, they wrap a band-aid around your head. Right, <laughs> very good. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, it really is. It really is a matter of I, I doubt this would have gotten made without Colin Firth. I mean, this thing wasn't going to get any funding. Like that was one of the oh. shocking things about the original one too. Is wait a minute, you just killed your box office draw, yeah. and you're just leaving us with this kid. Uh, and I I cannot imagine Matthew Vaughn would have gotten funding for this if Colin Firth hadn't been on board. Because uh, he's the you know he's the poster. He is the Kingsman. Um, they give it away in the trailer though, so it's like. Well, they give it away on the poster, don't they? Isn't yeah. he? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I have no idea, but I, I will but the admit The movie acts that, like you don't know any of that. Like, oh, look. Yeah. I will what admit that I, I watched the first one again this week. Um, Hold up. Uh, and then I, I, I was, I'm so enamored of his character that I looked up the cast list. And I usually don't do this kind of thing because I don't watch trailers and I don't want to know. Who's, uh, I wanted to see if he was in this this one because he gets killed after that church scene um and he's in this movie but i didn't look beyond that and i just thought well maybe it's just going to be some footage like exe this, this you know like like a download or something uh but i well, didn't it's, expect it's, him to actually come back it's flashbacks for a while and that's what i was thinking they were going to play with like i i, right, I right. knew he was going to be in it but i was like oh maybe they're just going to have extensive flashbacks and that's what i thought yeah but uh nope they had to get him there in the flesh uh, hey shouldn't and, the bug oh go on no no god shouldn't the bug have been it had to be inserted rectally because that's Eggsy's signature move one two three not only you and me got one eighty degrees and i'm cold in between counting one two As the as the resident news crawl watcher, I want to say something that uh, Kelly Wan mentioned. Uh, so this is a movie that is the studio that, that uh, developed and distributed. This is 20th Century Fox. That's fine. They do lots of movies. Uh, 20th Century Fox is a subsidiary of, of Rupert Murdoch's media empire. Um, but so at a certain point in this movie, and this happens when you own a news channel, you show your own news channel in that movie. Uh, so here we have Fox News broadcasts in a, in a couple of uh, moments. Um, but I just want to say that these days, uh, showing Fox News as a yeah. as a trusted source of information about a world crisis is, as I find, ten eared, uh, or maybe even downright offensive, uh, because Fox News is directly responsible for for demonizing. Their political opponents for undermining facts for for the last twenty years pandering to racist hate groups, anti intellectuals, xenophobia. Uh, Fox News has cultivated the kind of simplistic inability to think critically that has gotten Donald Trump elected. So when you use Fox News in your movie, you remind me of the fact that you have fucked up the American political scene royally and intentionally, and I am now pissed that I just paid $18 to support your media empire. So fuck you, Rupert Murdoch, and your Fox News on the screen, uh, and there. I just had to get that out because that been that just completely took me out of the movie. I wasn't in the movie anyway, but showing Fox News reporters pretending to be actual conveyors of news was yeah. a, a little too outrageous for me. If if I'd been the writer, though, I would have tried to find some way to work that in. Like, oh, yeah, it's Fox News' take on this, on what's going it, on. And at least give them jokes. At least go, look, no, they, they don't even try. 
it, it, yeah, it's no, it's it's the same it's, political. It's, it's the same uh, product placement. Kelly one is McDonald's in the first movie, right? Uh, and and it is in complete earnest. Uh, it is not yeah. an accident. It is not an accident that there are no jokes about Fox News. Uh, right. And yeah, so yeah, that just drove me crazy. But they're also if they're amazing to me that but, we're spending eighteen dollars to go see this movie. <laughs> I know, well, and that's the thing. That this so this weird. to me is a commercial for Mother because last week I saw Mother. <laughs> And I left feeling like I'd gotten some value. And if this is my, this is the sane alternative. Like if if mother's the F and this is the B plus, I don't want to live in this world anymore. Well, Kelly Wan, <laughs> as Billy Bob Thornton said in Bad, Bad Santa, they can't all be goddamn winners. <laughs> yes, that's true. Uh, Kelly Wan, up with you in sandwiches, Tom. <laughs> is that a bad Santa reference? Does he berate the kid for sandwiches? Yeah. Like, I remember the wooden sandwich. The, the wooden pickle is what I remember fondly. Uh, <laughs> all right, Kelly Wand, what is it? Speaking of pickles and sandwiches and chocolate candies, what is this week's 3 by 3 Three best food farts. <laughs> well done, Tom. Why are you saying that in such a muted tone, Kelly Wand? It sounds like you're ashamed of your topic. Uh, I don't know. All right. I, feel, I feel like my list sucks. But well, you guys and the listeners will redeem it. Well, we'll find out. Dingus, why don't you start us off? with my selections. Yeah. That's too bad to hear. I assumed you've had some great ones, and that's why you picked the topic. No. All right. <laughs> I, thought I, I thought it would be easy. Well, Dingus, what's your number three uh, favorite food fight? All right. Here's a quote from it. You be careful, about, you be careful out among them English. Jesus. So okay, that's this a is, con, right? This is from, uh, <laughs> this is from a movie called Witness. Uh, it's a P- Peter Weir movie from 1985, and the oh. food fight is a. <laughs> That's not a food a, fight. Oh, Dingus getting pulled over. Dingus, you're getting pulled over. Go ahead. What's I'm the scene gonna, though? Because I don't remember this. I'm going to get just, pulled over constantly during this because I'm I'm not playing with like we're in a cafeteria and throwing things at each other. This is food that it causes an argument. Food that causes a fight. Uh, these are the types of things that I'm talking about. So this is uh, this is food that causes a fight, uh, and this is when uh, in the movie Witness, which I watched again, and gosh darn it, I love this movie. So he is my much. brother. Um, he's his cousin from Ohio. He's my nice brother. Uh, that's Alexander Goodenough saying that he's his brother and that he's his cousin from Ohio, uh, and he's. They're different Amish over there, and so the the bullies from town, the townies, uh, are bullying and messing with the Amish who are clomping down the road in their uh, horse-drawn carriages, and uh, and he takes his ice cream cone and he smacks it against uh, Alexander Goodenough's nose and against his cheek and against his other cheek, and somebody off screen goes, do it against his chin, too. And he smacks his ice cream cone against the guy's chin. And Harrison Ford, who has just found out that his uh, his partner in the police force, you know, because he's, um, he's off in Amish country to protect this kid who's been a witness to uh, uh, a murder that was done by a decorated police officer played by... Danny Glover, by the way, uh, who is who says, "Oh shit!" At one point, and I'm like, "Oh, right you for this shit." Um, uh, he's off off here in this Amish community and trying to blend in. He looks plain. He's dressed up to look plain. He's in this uh, weird 
relationship with Kelly McGillis that he can't quite have. Um, he's just found out uh, from their trip into town um, and making his phone call that he can make every now and then because none of the Amish have phones. Uh, he makes it from a phone booth, period movie, uh, and he finds out that his partner, um, his, one of his best friends, has been killed. Uh, and he realizes that it's because the guys who are inside the police department, who are the corrupt uh, people who killed the guy that Lucas Haas uh, saw, that the witness saw them kill, that these are police officers who have done this killing. Um, he sees all of this. Uh, he goes, are we still here? Yeah. Okay, good. All right. So, um, I am anyway, Dingus. I'm here. Very <laughs> right, good. All right. Good. Oh, um, silence. <laughs> I know the feeling though. So he's, 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 incredibly angry about this anyway and then this douchebag from the town uh smacks uh this other guy hockleitner's face with this ice cream cone and that just sets him off and that makes him fight and he punches the guy and breaks his nose and it bleeds um and that's that it's a food that causes a fight all right kelly one is there other other legal actions in process here? No, because mine are even dumber. Oh, wow. <laughs> but for some even reason... Even dumber. Even dumber. I mean, you're welcome. But also, I thought when you were when you first said it, in my mind's eye, I for some reason pictured there being a shoving match and then Harrison Ford's move sticking his ice cream cone in the bully's face. Like, that's how he wins the fight. What? No. Okay. You know, no, who's he- not used in the fight, though? It causes the fight. Mm, Tom, if you were me, what would you do? Uh, I would not have picked a food fight three by three. Oh. <laughs> no, I, I, well, here's the thing. My number three is the carrot scene and shoot him up. Does that qualify? Oh, that's good. I like. He that. uses the food as a weapon, though. Yeah, he so kills someone with the carrot. All right. But Dingus okay. could argue that the guy, the first guy's using ice cream as a weapon. He's I, I'm disarming his opponent. Kelly, <laughs> okay. I'm just, I'm guessing Dingus is just getting warmed up. Mm-hmm. Get it? Ice cream. <laughs> what? No, Carrot that doesn't seem no good. <laughs> Kelly, what is your third favorite food fight in a movie? That's Kelly all you have to say about it. All right. Oh, about shoot him up? No, we can talk about shoot. I mean, I, I just love. Shoot him up is outrageous and silly, uh, and I just love the fact that he's eating a carrot for some dumb reason, and you later find out, oh, right, it's so he can kill someone within a fight scene. That's just his thing, like somebody yeah. chewing on a toothpick in a movie. He chews right, on right. a carrot. He yeah. likes carrots and he likes dogs, and that's two traits more than any character in Kingsman has. <laughs> <laughs> they may be non sequiturs, but Jesus, give me two of anything. Give me something to actually chew, and as opposed to just like spitting in my mouth. Get it? Yeah. You like it? Uh, my number three favorite food fight in a movie is uh, in the motion picture Animal House when John Belushi does an impression of a zit <laughs> and sprays cupcake. I think he's been he's mayonnaise. 
Is it mayonnaise? All right. Ew, mayonnaise. gross. <laughs> oh yeah, my god. Whole, that's why it's so gross. It's mayonnaise. That's even grosser, Dingus. Yeah, I thought I was with Kelly. I just, just thought it was like a donut or something. Ew. Oh, he that's foul. His joke like Matthew Vaughn. He goes, "I'm a zit." Get it? And then they're appalled. And then I love this because I really want to think that this because when I was a kid, I go, this is what college is going to be like. Right. <laughs> she just stands up and goes, food fight. And everyone in the cafeteria dressed like normal people and not like John Belushi just start throwing food at each other. They just ordered like they all start attacking their own friends, with their plates of food and gig friends. Yeah, right. and themselves. Because <laughs> I know Just you like rabbits, and I know you like cheese. Yeah, and I thought, wait, if someone yells that at lunch, you have to do it. Like if it's like the if it's like the slot if it's like the guy you just saw cut all the lines and like eat all the food, like you still have to do whatever the, you have to dance to that guy's tune. I can't wait. <laughs> so Kelly, one that's going to be a tough act to follow because that's probably the most famous food fight. Yeah. Well, we'll see how you do. It's a pretty good one. It's a classy one. Although, in the... Okay, I don't think this is anybody's pick, but in Crystal Skull, when Indiana Jones does a Belushi and causes a food fight at the diner, it's not a food fight, right? They just actually fight with their fists and they don't throw food. You probably dinner. picked Dingus as number one. Really? Thanks. <laughs> okay. Thanks a lot. Dengus probably picked Temple of Doom as his number one. And goes, see, there, it ca- ca- captures fighting with the eyeballs. She had bugs for lunch. Aw. Well, Dengus, what is your number two, then, favorite food fight? All right, here's a quote from it. We must develop the Napoleon before he develops the beef wellington. The future of Europe hangs in the balance. Is that your Woody Allen impression, or someone else says it in the movie? Young Einstein. No, it's love and death. Um, ah, so it's not Woody Allen. I See, Kelly Wand, he's he's. Go ahead, explain. Go ahead, Dingus, explain yourself to Kelly Wand. I think he's. How did you know I was going to choose this? Oh, I just know that joke. I mean, I remember that joke. Oh, you do. Okay. I uh, yeah. Tom's I wouldn't. A joke. It. Remember. Um, not like that often. Redford. There, there are a few from Love and Death that I never. I thought. <laughs> well, Dingus is our Woody <laughs> Allen apologist, but I remember that I'm joke and thinking. And thinking that's that's not that funny. That's like an easy joke. Too easy. Oh, I love that yeah. joke so much. Oh, yeah. I, I, so I, that's I why I remember it. Joke. All right. All right. So explain to Kelly Wand uh, why you shouldn't be pulled over and detained. All right. So this is uh, this is a very big food fight uh, between um, James <laughs> Tolkien's character, who is uh, a fellow named Napoleon, um, and between. Uh, uh, Duke, oh good lord, the Duke of Wellington, not him. Um, so not because one. Napoleon is trying to develop his recipe, which is the Napoleon, which is a dessert, and there's not enough cream on it. And the um, the Duke is trying to develop a beef Wellington, uh, which is Tom a beef considers dish. this too easy. Just to be clear, Please and continue. this is a huge <laughs> problem for Napoleon, and he says the future. Europe hangs in the balance, and this is a huge food fight because Napoleon wants to develop the Napoleon, and yeah. the Duke wants to develop the Beef Wellington, and this is very important. 
I don't know why Tom is being so dismissive. I don't either. <laughs> I guess because 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 no, Woody Allen, when he's really good, does sharp observational humor about like relationships and the existential condition. And for him to resort to a joke about the fact that different countries have different names for different foods and pretending, yeah. oh, that's why Napoleon and Prussia were at war. Oh, oh, oh that's hilarious. I'm slapping my knee. I no. I Woody Allen, <laughs> stick with stick with what you know, Woody Allen. Wait, Tom, I'm curious. Do you ever – okay, go on. No, go ahead. Well, I'm just going to ask Tom, do you ever laugh at dumb jokes? Sure, I love – yeah, Because they're dumb? All right. right, Well, no, no. Here's the thing, though. Woody Allen is a very smart uh, comedian. He he writes smart stuff except when he doesn't, and he doesn't a lot of the times, which is when I don't care for his stuff. Uh, I mean, Jonah – okay, go on. I mean, no, I, I I like Woody Allen for the most part, but a, a lot of the lower brow Woody Allen doesn't work for me. In the oh, in in the Watch, that movie about where Ben Stiller fights aliens, mm-hmm. when they catch the kid who who actually gets killed by the aliens right after that, and they're interrogating him at the police station, and Jonah Hill goes, "Did you throw eggs at us? You think that's a yoke? Did you laugh at that line, or did you go, Ugh. right? No, excellent Easy. question. I have very different expectations watching Jonah Hill than I do watching Woody Allen. <laughs> and I, I'm completely serious about that. Jonah Hill being an idiot is funny. He's good at it. I like that. But Woody uh, Allen made a lot of – like a lot of his jokes are dumb too. Like, um, sure, Like right. take the money and run and Sleeper. Sleeper's full of retarded shit. Yep. Yeah, yeah. He, a lot he of that make, doesn't work for me. Yeah. He'll make you don't slapstick. like that. Okay. He'll make question. slapstick jokes and all that kind of thing. Right, slapstick. I love that. Like, I love this stuff. And I, and I really – I'm kicking myself. Because when we did the wig thing, this particular sequence with Napoleon, with James Tolkien's character, uh, is perfect for the wig sequence because they bring in a double for Napoleon, uh, you know, uh, some some private from the ranks. He's like, and now I become you, and 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 uh, Napoleon's like, he looks like me, and the guy goes, you're seeing him without his rug. And he puts the wig on, and he's like, ah. And so then they go back, and I, will, I have a great walk. I will teach you how to do my walk. And they go in the back, and then two of the, the generals come in the front, and one of them says, you know, the, I will, all of history will remember my name, Sidney Applebaum. And in the background, Napoleon and this double are wrestling because they're they're mad at each other. <laughs> and I I do love some of Woody Allen's lowbrow humor, and I love this joke about the the cream dessert versus. I love the idea. I I think it's more of a political commentary than Tom is allowing because I think that much along the lines of the fact that Donald Trump has bothered to make a joke about. Uh, uh, make a nickname for his so his his so-called most scared enemy as an Elton John lyric. Um, I I think that Dodor. I think I think that Rocket this, Man. This, this, yeah. yeah, Rocket, Rocket Man versus Dodored. Um I think that this is. I think this is. Uh, pretty pertinent. I mean, not uh, maybe not pertinent. Trenchant, maybe. <laughs> um, I just think that that this idea of like that world leaders are like, ah, gosh darn it, I want my dessert to be more important than his beef dish. Um, and the fact that Donald Trump also has this weekend 
made a big point of the fact that uh, the NFL is the most important thing to him. Yeah, thing is out of the way, North Korea. And so, so I think that issue. I think that this isn't just a lowbrow joke. I think it's I think it's a more broadly political joke. Uh, Napoleon, <laughs> Napoleon's wars against England, against Prussia. Uh, Napoleon's wars were for very specific motives, and that was the aggrandizement <laughs> of France. It had nothing to do with. Dishes with French food, Dinkus. <laughs> and oh, in wait, fact, they weren't. I would even say they weren't even cultural wars. They were nationalist but, wars. But food, 19, and food is an aspect of culture. But he was making this movie in 1975, and he's talking about politics in that time as well as as and the, as that's the food making, that represents France. Like as making dessert. jokes about as making jokes about Russian literature or whatever, he was also talking about the political climate in 1975, and it also resonates now, how political figures are petty. And some of their – many of their uh, motivations are petty, and I think that that's, that resonates. I, d- I don't think it's a – I don't think it's a throwaway. I, well, I disagree it, it with resonates. that. It resonates. I mean that's, that's not a new – humorous observation i mean the folly okay. of politics and woody allen is great with some of that but but what i'm just saying is to make a joke to to infer that napoleon was conquering europe because he cared about a dish called the napoleon yeah napoleon was a petty little man in ways and you know there's there's there are famous theories that maybe he was that way because he was short um but i just think it's an easy joke to identify that two different countries have different dishes named different things and to make up that's what they're fighting a war about it's a little mel brooksy that's not it's mel brooksy mel brooksy yeah but that's not what the that's not all the joke is about it's also about when the movie was made what was uh what so what the the water so in 1975 right it would have been Watergate. Watergate, Vietnam. Watergate and Vietnam were the big. What was the Russia thing in '75, or the? No, it's not about Russia. It's about how world leaders think and how petty they are. It's about pettiness. Okay, that's what it's about. I understand what the joke is about. I just didn't find it funny. I found it easy. Okay, easy, simple joke. Um, No, what you're saying is that it's about how it doesn't relate to Napoleon. That's fine, but it's it, it resonates even now. I, I mean, I don't understand how you don't see that. I don't. See, I mean, I, I, I see it. I mean, I understand, Dingus, that pol- the politics is petty. That some politicians can be petty. That's not what was going on with uh, the expansion of France in the uh, 18th century. That was not because politics was petty. It was because sometimes European wars in Europe uh, were, were big, disastrous, all-encompassing things. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, did, I don't find – and that's the thing is I don't find – if you want to mock that or make fun of it, that, that's fine. But I don't think that he's really – no, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking uh, about Woody Allen. I, I don't think that that's really anything that – I don't think that, that coming up with the names of two different types of food and pretending that it's funny that Napoleon is conquering Europe because he cares about this type of food. I just don't think that's funny. You know, Dishes get named after different personas. You know, the sandwich is named after the Earl of Sandwich. Right. Beef Wellington is a food. Uh, that's not funny to me to then infer, oh, well, this Wellington Duke, he was fighting a war. I, I just don't – I don't think the joke is funny. I get it. I mean I get lots of jokes that I don't think are funny. Hey, Earl of uh, Peanut Butter Cup, come over here. <laughs> and the thing is I, my problem with it isn't that it's not funny. My problem with it is that Woody Allen is funny, and when he's not funny for me, I just am disappointed at that. Uh, I okay. like Woody Allen stuff. I like, I, I like his 
I like his other stuff. Uh, but I just put that down there with the same stuff about, you know, this is lowbrow humor, and that's fine. But Napoleon didn't. Like- Napoleon didn't care about. I don't think that it was a. It was a. It was historically not accurate. a joke, though. <laughs> See, here's the thing. I think Tom's nuts, but I think Dingus is nuts too, because I don't think what you're saying makes the joke funnier necessarily. Like that, it has that context. It makes it timely, but not. It would make me laugh harder to go. Oh yeah, <laughs> Francis, Petty. I don't know. I mean, unless I think- they said it in a funny way. I, I like I yeah uh, well we don't need to talk about it. Right, there, there's there's all kinds of political humor that works for me and that doesn't and that's just I, you know right, right, histor- right. historical political humor is particularly difficult because there's no built-in audience for it like like Woody also, Allen is making jokes about things that aren't inherently funny and he's got a tough row to hoe by make by setting that up uh, as his subject matter in Love and Death so I admire the well, stuff he does work. I don't think he's making a specific joke about Napoleon being upset about his dessert. In the way that, like, like uh, Terry Gilliam was making fun of Napoleon in Time Bandits. Um, I think he's making a broader observation, and that's why I appreciate it. I, but I don't I understand that yeah, you don't I agree with you. You don't care for it. That's fine. Moving on. Okay. Food's not used as a weapon, though, in your selection. It's it's a fight about food. I'm not. I'm not using people throwing food at each other all the time, Kelly. I'm at least you're number three. Fights right. about food. <laughs> what am I going to do? Find three things in the cafeteria? Am I going to just food use fights a specific like, term? Yeah, I'll take three well, cafeterias. Well, I'm not going to do that. I'm not doing three food fights in a cafeteria. That's. But if I say food fights food about food. The, the, that, that most people would consider what you just described a food fight as opposed to just an argument about food. They, <laughs> Kelly Wan, would describe I could that come as up with fight. a ton of arguments about food. And my number one is probably going to be that. So uh, I'm perfectly happy to go to uh, jail and get uh, three hats and a cot. I think Dingus is exploiting my distraction with other political matters right now. Well, I have one that you'll, that you'll enjoy, Kelly Wine. You ready for this one? This one, although I will say, it's not in the movie. This is a deleted scene. Jesus. It's a deleted scene that is completely out of tone with the rest of the movie, and the reason that I would include this as my favorite food fights is it is so clunky and ridiculous and out of sorts with the tone of the movie that even the director saw it and was like god what was i thinking he didn't put it in the movie but it's in a deleted scene now you wow. might you might think you know what i'm talking about kelly Wan- i just got tucked taken to ta- okay here we go well no this is i i'm assuming some people listening to this might be thinking of the pie fight in dr strangelove but that's not it i am talking about and I had to heart – this isn't online. I had to go – it's a deleted scene on the DVD. I had to go back there and get my DVD. The movie Phantasm has a deleted scene where Jody and uh, – what's the kid's name? Mike go to Reggie's ice cream parlor and yeah. have a food fight. It is ridiculous. It's so – like it, they, they saunter in, and it's, it's a rough cut because he didn't edit it, and the, some of the stuff is MOS without sound. Uh, but they, they go in, and Jody's supposed to be drunk, and he's hitting on the chick working behind the county counter, and Reggie's playing the guitar over at the side of the in, – in one of the corners, and he brings Mike in, and he's, he has a – a clump of ice cream on the tip of his beer bottle 
that the ice cream chick has given him, and he shoves it in his little brother's face, and that turns into an ice cream fight. They obviously had this ice cream parlor to shoot at that night when they shot it, and Mike is behind the counter. He's slinging ice cream at Reggie, uh, and it ends with Reggie taking one of those those like Marx Brothers spray water seltzer bottles you know and spraying mike with it to knock mike down and mike is a little kid in phantasm he's unconscious and we then cut to him covered in ice cream and they're eating ice cream off of his unconscious corpse oh and it is just so weird it's like why did you guys even shoot that uh and so i'm, I'm just so glad it, it's not in there so it makes no sense in the tone of the movie it doesn't give you a character moment either, really. Well, it's supposed to, I think, show the they rapport. Love each other. Yeah, the rapport between Reggie and Mike and uh, Jody. Uh, and it's his ice cream manness part of their. Like, we love having ice cream on us and eating it off each other. I, I do like because you know Reggie has an ice cream truck, and there's that whole bit about his the body of the little dwarf in the back of the ice cream truck being preserved. So I do like getting to see Reggie's base of operations. Yeah. Right. Uh, but the overall tone of the fight and, and slinging ice cream, like that would be hugely messy. I can understand a food fight throwing solid foods, but throwing handfuls of ice cream. Oh, my God. That's that's serious. Yeah, you're food losing. Fight. Yeah, you're fucking yourself up. You're, you're making a big mess. You. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and it did. I didn't remember this. The idea, too, that you're drinking a beer and someone just plops a big old like scoop of chocolate ice cream on the top of your beer and then you lick it off of there. It just seemed. That seemed like something that you would do if you were really drunk and you lived in a small town and had nothing else to do. Yeah, it seems like the hangover is starting before you even drink. <laughs> All right, Kelly Wong. So wait, Kelly, you're yep. okay with him choosing a deleted... Uh, I've kind of given up. I've just driven off to another so, county at this So point. sketches or like notes that somebody drew in the sideline of their script, those are cool too. That's not yeah. in a movie. You're not, not in a position movie. to mock Tom. You're in trouble, too. Yes, I am. You he, guys are like... He, he's when he decided that Woody Allen isn't funny in certain situations, and now he's choosing something that isn't in a movie. And that he, he doesn't like... a TV show he, before. You, you're going to let him get away with this? It's not a TV so show. I actually I like it because it's it's just weird to watch. It's like... You know what it but is? What I like about movie. it? It's movie. It's an insight into the their thought process making the movie. Like this is okay, they had they had Reggie's uh, ice cream parlor to shoot at that night, and this is what they decided to do. And it says a lot about uh, Don Coscarelli and these three actors. And it also goes a long way to explaining what happens in Phantasm two, three, four, and Ravager, all of which are, are increasingly awful. Uh, hey, Kelly, Kelly, you're gonna let this stand. Um, well, it's a part of the movie. I mean, it's part. It, it, it's not, on the DVD. No, it's not a part of the movie. Just, it's not in the movie. Dingus is is Cruise repeat. Yeah, is uh is Harrison Ford's voiceover in Blade Runner? Yes, it's in the it's in the oh, movie that we huh. saw in the theater. It's that in certain is, yeah, it's in certain cuts of the movie. Nope. Sure, and there are certain no. cuts that, that 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 is not the same thing. This is a deleted Hans scene. This was never head. in. Any release of the movie. It's a deleted oh. scene. Okay, fair enough. I mean, I could pick something. I pick Animal House then. Does no, that make you happy? I'm just asking Kelly Wan if he's going to pull you over, and he's clearly not going to. Uh, well, he, li- he likes Phantasm. Yeah, that's I'm the playing thing. to. I'm I playing to the judge. Talking about. How do you know about that, by the way? Because it's hard to find. I think I saw it on YouTube one time. 
Or I saw it on a DVD. I think I had a Phantasm DVD. Because it's not on their their later releases either, like uh, the the more recent releases. It's only like on certain – like Anchor Bay, I think, re-released Phantasm. They don't have these deleted scenes because there's like four or five of them. Uh, And that's like a different ending too. Yeah. yeah. It's like different dead people or something. Yeah. Or you hear a ghost because they you you know what they use the footage later in the later. Oh, I know. You know, Dingus. I'm that. I don't know for sure if they didn't use that ice cream scene. Right. And I can't actually. I can't imagine they did. Only seen a couple of versions. Well, they did, Dingus. They did a. They did. Yeah, the fourth Phantasm. They didn't have enough footage, so he used unused footage from the first movie. And I don't. I don't think it included the ice cream. So there's a possibility that ice cream on a beer bottle could have appeared somewhere. Well, it's on the deleted I mean, scene. You can have a root beer float, so why not have a beer float? He is an ice cream man. Yep, that's his job. That's his character trait. Mm-hmm. You know, you remember how they established that he knows how tuning forks work so that he knows to touch the two sides of the dimensional porter, portal? That was like his big character trait in uh, Phantasm as well. Oh, wait, I thought you were going to say that. They establish that because he knows ice cream and he uses – he like holds up the cones. And uh, Reggie – he knows ice cream, and he knows uh, funky guitar playing, and he knows being bald and still having a ponytail. He knows those three things. <laughs> he also is a pussy hound. He really is. And a guy like that, a guy looking like that, you would think, wow, you, you have the opportunity to be a pussy hound. All right, good for an you. Ice, a guy who drives an ice cream truck. Right. Pussy. <laughs> right. <laughs> kind of like uh, Trees Lounge. There's a weird deleted scene, <laughs> too, of, of uh, Jody in a suit after the funeral going by a bank and uh, seducing like a banker chick who's like his girlfriend. Yeah. It's just weird. It's like, why? They're wingmen. And he's doing – they do all this Marx Brothers <laughs> stuff too where they think they're really funny. It's like yeah. Mark, very Marx brothers It's very odd. Uh, See, Coscarelli cool. proves that you do like dumb jokes. <laughs> you like it in horror. Um, sometimes, sometimes. Case by case. Case by case. Yeah. I like the way you said wingman, by the way. Wingman in the Secret Service. Kingsman. There's no king. I don't get the statesman. Kelly, one, they can't be changing the name of it every time the gender of the ruler changes. Yeah, you just got to go with the gender it's that's been most 50 consistent. Years. Yeah, but there was there's hundreds of years before then, so and it was but all. Then they'd have to call him Queensman, and then it's Matthew Vaughn, so there'd be a lot of uh, gay jokes, probably. Well, I, well, maybe we'll find out uh, when they reboot it in ten years. Phantasm. Can't wait for Wingman. Kelly Wand, what is your second favorite uh, food fight in a movie? My second favorite food fight, and boy, is my list looking better to me now. <laughs> <laughs> this is one I would have I would have worried about pulling myself over, but after what I've heard today in court, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> my number two is from the motion picture Dawn of the Dead, uh, the old one. Uh, there's a scene where the Tom Savini and the bikers come into the mall, and they have a pie fight with the zombies. And the oh, zombies God, that's right. Back. That's yeah, right. pies in their faces. So you have these guys wearing zombie makeup getting pies in their faces. Wait, from bikers. What? Yeah. It's there's There's all kinds – George Romero does all kinds of um, – He's not above having fun with the zombie stuff as far as like showing the zombies stumbling around in the mall. And when the evil bikers break into the mall, they, they are they, – are they riding their bikes by the zombies? Yeah, yeah and they're yeah, throwing they're riding, pies. Like, yeah, so it's, it's – it's, yeah, it's like it's like Fury Road but with pies and zombies instead of yeah. explosive spears and Tom Hardy. Yeah. I love the idea that, that a pie fight is something that 
you know, bikers would do. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We could throw so pies. If you're, if you're talking about zombies, isn't them eating brains kind of a food fight? Isn't that? I was thinking that. Food? I was also thinking Brody feeds Jaws the oxygen tank. That's kind of a food fight. Right. So you're talking about the, in this movie, people are throwing pies at people. It's zombies. They're not even throwing them. They're walking up to the zombies because it's the Romero zombies who are slow and dumb and really easy to kill. And they just walk up to them and put a pie in their face and then laugh and then walk on to the next zombie. Like they're just walking. The, my question is where did the pies come from? Because they've been in the mall for months. <laughs> the bikers travel with them. They stop every now and then. They bake <laughs> the pies. Pies. <laughs> and then so, go to this mall and see what happens. Wait, these biker dudes just have pies and push them in their face and that's it? Well, they also destroy the mall's defenses and the zombies get in. In every in, in zombie movies, you need someone to break down the, the barricade and let the zombies in. In uh, Dawn of the Dead, it's the bikers. And like 28 yeah. days later, it's Killian Murphy. Uh, yeah. But no, it really right. is a total burn on the zombie because they're trying to eat brains and suddenly someone just walks up to you and then just puts a bunch of cream in your face. Yeah. It's not edible to you. And it's their idea of food. So they're putting their food in your face. It would be like if a zombie came up to you and just smeared brains in your face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's rude. It's fucking rude. Brain pie. And the zombies can't fight back and they seem baffled. Like they went to the mall because they have this residual motor memory. Like, oh, like they, the, when the guys are watching, they're like, yeah, they remember coming to the mall and shopping on some level. So here they are wandering around the mall. But it's like they don't remember pie fights, apparently. <laughs> like, they don't go, oh, and shake their fists. You know, like, oh. But like zombies, like, Ugh. That's my number two. Not really a pie fight, though, because the zombies don't fight back. So it's kind of just... It's, well, they don't uh, fight back with food. Bullying. Right. They will That's fight back, but they're just using different tools. It's a one side. It's a unilateral food fight. I really assume... I'll be very more. I'm more meticulous about how I phrase my topics in the future, but I just assumed it was a given that the food was a weapon in food fight. Well, let's find out what Dingus did with his number one pick. Dingus, what's your favorite food fight in a movie? You assumed the food was a weapon. Yeah, it's a food fight. You just said food fight. That's the the word. The phrase food fight has never until this morning in Germany time been used to de- describe a verbal argument about food that's never happened. It's not or, or, uh, or French expansion in, in Europe. It's also never been used as a term for that. <laughs> if you don't think Napoleon's uh, work was about food, I, I, I don't know what to tell you. Food. An army does all about food. All war is about food. You're saying an that army if marches. Screamed food fight in the cafeteria. Everyone's going to go. Napoleon? No, I think it disagree. I think uh, the Duke of Wellington. <laughs> like that to you would have been funnier. I'm outraged. Okay, John Landis, continue. <laughs> I still remember the first time I had beef Wellington. Uh, but I'm a big food person, so euphemisms. Yep. What uh, were you going to say, Tom? Yes. Oh, uh, what, what is it? Dingus, show us how it's done. What is the what's the best food fight oh. in all of moviedom? <laughs> That's what we cut Tom off from saying. All right, here's a here's a quote from it. Uh, just make a side order of spaghetti, please. So so far, it sounds like spaghetti could be involved in in a food fight, Kelly Wand. That is his Connery. 
<laughs> so this is um, this is from what, uh, God. I love this movie so much. I watched it actually like three times over the week because I love it so much. Uh, and you, Kelly Wan, you inspired me to go back to this movie. It's one of those movies that I just I think is just so beautiful, so wonderful. I cannot get away from how wonderful this movie is. Um, and it is the movie Big Night. Uh, and it stars it stars Stanley Tucci, the actual Stanley Tucci that you kept oh referencing when you kept referencing Stanley Tucci during your office, which made me just filled me with mirth. Um, so uh, it was directed by actually Stanley Tucci and Kevin oh, right. Scott working together. Uh, okay, they co-directed it. Yeah, they co-directed it. Oh, I didn't uh, know that. Campbell Scott also appears in it, but there's a lot of uh, stuff in this movie where you can tell that somebody else has to be in control of what's going on uh, because Stanley Tucci and, um, oh gosh, now I'm blanking. Tony Shalhoub. Thank you, Tony Shalhoub. Thank you. The others. Thank you very much. Um, uh, Stanley Tucci and Tony Shalhoub play these two brothers, uh, Primo and Secondo. Oh my God! Those are their names. Their names. <laughs> I their names are first. Tally. Their names are. Their name are first and second. Uh, their parents named them first and second, and they're running a restaurant. They've come to the. They've come to America. They're. Uh, they're running a restaurant. Um, they're trying to run it, uh, but Primo, uh, played by Tom. Actually, I don't. It's got to be Stanley Tucci, right? Is he the older brother? Nope, he's the younger oh. brother. Oh. Oh. Okay. So Tony Shalhoub is a primo. Tony Shalhoub is playing the older brother, and he is absolutely adamant that everything has to be done absolutely the proper the proper way. He's an amazing chef, but he will not he will not deviate from what he wants to do, uh, and he will not violate anything that relates to the food that he wants to create. And Stanley Tucci. As to as Secundo, the younger brother, is running the front of the house, and there's so many great touches in this movie where he comes out into the restaurant before he opens, and he he's adjusting every chair, and there's a table that's a little wobbly, and he takes something out of his pocket, like a, a match a matchbox, and uh, like uh, not a matchbox, so the match. I don't know what you would call it, the matches and puts it under part of the chair so that the table doesn't wobble anymore. And he check, checks to make sure all the ashtrays are just right. He opens the door, he sweeps out, and then he opens the restaurant for everyone. Um, uh, and he's he's the one who interfaces with all the customers. And uh, Primo is the one who is the genius in the kitchen who's creating this amazing food. Um and across the street from them is uh, Ian Holmes Italian restaurant, which is very much like uh, I don't know uh, the Olive Garden it's sort of. <laughs> he, he's, he's like, I will give the people whatever they want. If a man, a man gets off work, he's like, um, I want steak. I love steak. I'm happy. Uh, just give the people what they want. But yes, Primo is so. Primo is very much. This is the way it should be done. Period. Um, and so the food fight I'm talking about here is in the opening part of the movie. And I just love this moment so much. Um, where this woman who I can't remember the actress's name, but I think she was in Crimes and Misdemeanors. Um, she and her husband are sitting there and having dinner and she gets delivered this risotto. And 
she's trying to figure out what is this risotto it's it's really elegant well made beautifully made uh seafood italian rice dish uh and she said i was told there would be uh scallops shrimp and other things i don't see anything in here like that and stanley tucci has to explain that it takes a long time to make this dish risotto is very difficult to make i mean it 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 requires a lot of time to make this this particular dish. Uh, for, I'm I'm speaking from personal experience. You just have to take a long time to make risotto. Yeah, you have to attend to it constantly. Um, and she's like, uh, "There's nothing in this." And then her husband, who's sitting across from her, and he's got his his uh, rigatoni in front of him. He's like, oh, "Just order a side of spaghetti." She's like, "All right, I'll take spaghetti." And you can see Stanley Tucci going, oh, this is going to be horrible. He's like, okay, well, uh, sometimes, you know, I, risotto is a starch. You don't want spaghetti with risotto. And she's like, well, uh, just bring me some spaghetti and he can have the meatballs. And Stanley Tucci's like, well, our spaghetti doesn't come with meatballs. She's like, it doesn't come with meatballs? And he's like, yeah, sometimes spaghetti wants to be alone. And so, <laughs> is that the line? He actually says yeah. that? That's yeah, awesome. sometimes spaghetti wants to be alone, and he kind of smiles like maybe this will make her laugh. And she's like, "Well, he can have the meatballs. We can order a side of meatballs, a side of spaghetti, and uh, just bring me a side of spaghetti." And so Stanley Tucci, very reluctantly, and you can just tell he's just like, "Oh, I can't believe this is going to happen." Walks back into the kitchen, and the next scene is him saying that he wants a side of spaghetti, and. Um, his brother is saying, who's it for? And he says, what does it matter who's it for? Just make me a side of spaghetti. And Primo says, I want to know who's it for. And then Secondo says, it's for the woman with the risotto. And Primo goes, nope, I'm not going to do it. Well, how, about, uh, how about she just order? I tell you what, I'll make you also a side of mashed potatoes for the risotto and the spaghetti. How about that? And he says, I won't do it. I want to talk to her. And he's like, all right, fine. You can talk to her. And so this is their fight. They have this fight. This is a constant fight every night about the perfect and what the people want. The perfect and what the people want. And it's these, this fight that these brothers are having because their business is failing. And this is the crux of the movie, that their business is failing because he wants to do what's perfect and – he won't give the people what they want, and the guy across the street gives the people what they want. Wasn't was Tony? Am I just making this up, or was was Tony Shalhoub the soup Nazi in Seinfeld? No, no, he oh, wasn't. All right, but he, he, he definitely looked like him. All right, yeah. he's uh, so in a uh, big night. Tony Shalhoub is he? He's not doing anything comedic, is he? Is doesn't he just play it pretty much straight? It's pretty much straight until they get into this huge fight on the beach, and then it gets a little, a little bit over the top but okay. it never gets comedic it never gets comedic tony shalhoub is pretty much straight i mean there's there's one moment like when he throws a pot which uh thanks to chris markinson i have a gif of that now that i will give to you guys um uh because he he has a comic sensibility to him but right, right, he, never right. goes, he never goes over that right um but it's it, Ian Holm is the guy who's across the street. Minnie Driver is. It, it, Isabella Rossellini's in this movie. There's so many great people in this movie. I am such a big fan of this movie. And Kelly Wand 
thank you for making me watch this movie again because it has been so many years since I've seen this movie. And this fight between these two brothers about the fact that, look, she just wants a side of pasta. Will you just make her a side of spaghetti? No, I will not do that because she's already got risotto. I love that. Hmm. Right. Welcome. <laughs> Dingus, Have did you, you seen... see the, the John Favreau food truck movie? Yeah. Is that good? Um, uh, there are good things about it. I really like I, I like it because I love food so much. And there is a there was a little bit of a food fight in that that I almost uh, chose because his he has his son working on the food truck with him. Have you seen it, Tom? No, I don't. I for, I, for some reason I skipped it. Is Sofia Vergara in it? Yeah, y- you don't need to see it. Um, but there's there's a moment where his son is working with him and they're making these perfect grilled cheese sandwiches and one gets burned a little much because his son is running the grill and his son's about my son's age, like about 12 years old. He's like, oh, this can go out. And um, and John Leguizamo is the other one working on the food truck with him. And uh, John Favreau says, okay, I need a minute. And John Leguizamo goes, yeah, I know. And he takes his son out and says, look, why would you serve that to somebody? We never would do that. Uh, so there's that's not really it's more of a food. I mean, I admit that I've done sort of food arguments rather than fights, um, but there was that little bit of it. But I don't think you need to see food truck. I I like the movie. It touches me, but I wouldn't want to see it again. There's a, a horror movie with uh, James Legros and uh, Josh Leonard, who we know from Hump Day. Uh, he was in uh, Blair Witch oh. Project. Uh, but in it, um, James Legro plays a chef, a super snooty chef, and uh, Josh Leonard plays a food critic who writes a bad review for about his food. So James Legro kidnaps him and, and tortures him until he can like fry an egg perfectly. It's dumb. Don't see it. What? It's, oh, it's, it's called Bitter Feast. Oh. Yeah. And they don't fight. It's more of a kidnapping scenario, so I didn't pick that. What I did pick – okay, let me do you pitch remember, – Do you remember who the food critic is in um... – Gandalf, isn't it? In, in Ratatouille? I was just assuming you were going to say Ratatouille. In Chef. Oh, shoot. I feel like I should. Dagnabbit. Is it like Peter O'Toole? Or... Dagnabbit. I don't remember who. I no, should know this. It's Oliver Platt, actually. Oh, yeah. Producers. <laughs> then it's going to make me think of the producers. <laughs> <laughs> Not the producers, the imposters. Imposters, yeah. What's the producers? Producers is Mel Brooks. Oh, God, that's horrible, too. They're all terrible. By the way, Scarlett Johansson has a thankless role in the sh- in Chef. Really? Yeah, it's weird. She's got to be like 12. How old is that? It's only a couple years old. Chef oh. is all- – oh, no, no, I'm sorry. I'm thinking a big night. Right, Chef, right. Oh, oh no. I'd always say right. thank you to her. Yeah. yeah. Kelly Wand, let me pitch a movie to you here. This is not for Dingus. Here's the movie. Mm-hmm. These two dudes are traveling by plane, right? And they've uh, the flight is kind of empty. So the middle seat between them is empty. And they're going to go on vacation somewhere. Uh, I think one of them's getting over a breakup or whatever. So anyway, they're going on vacation somewhere, and a super hot chick sits in the seat between them. And they are both so into this chick. And this chick is also going on vacation at the same place, but – The flight gets diverted to somewhere really boring, and they're all stranded in a hotel. And the Uh, dudes are the dudes are vying for this girl 
for who can hook up with her. And they have a falling out of their friendship and comedic shenanigans ensue. What do you think of this movie, Kelly Wand? Depends on who the girl is. All right. What if, Kelly Wand, instead we flipped the script and made it about two girls and there's a dude, a super hot dude sitting between them and both girls want to get with the dude? They just both would. You've seen the movie. Oh, no, I just I just followed it to its natural so conclusion. Right now. All right, I'm going to tell you guys about a movie called The Layover. Oh, yeah. Who are the people? All right, here's the deal. <laughs> Kate Upton is super yeah. slutty, and she's super, like, promiscuous, and she's uh, not above, like, just sleeping around to get her away. Uh, and, of course, she's super hot because she's Kate Upton. Her nerdy roommate – who wears glasses and who's super smart and doesn't go out and is awkward with boys is a little wallflower is a little wallflower named Alexandra Daddario. What? Yeah, you know, she's so nerdy and you'd never guess that she's gorgeous. So from there yeah, well, and from from San Andreas and from yeah, yeah. Who'd want to fuck that? I know, right? So she's the one who really has a hard time wooing the super hot dude. Yeah. You know, Kate Upton, she's got it easy, but Alexandra Daddario, she's really got to work hard. There's a one's scene. One's got big boobs, and the other one's Kate Upton. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly one, that's the pit that's the tagline right there. You've got it. Uh, so they're they're going for this R-rated uh hey, hangover and bridesmaids. Everybody loved those. We're gonna do that. With Kate Upton being the super hot one and Alexander Daddario, she's the wallflower and what kind of guy would they fight over? He's actually pretty hot, to be fair. Like I'm a hetero guy, but I'm like, Yep, you guys got a super hot dude that, that would be worthy of him. That they'd be worth fight over. Taylor Kitsch then. It's not Taylor Kitsch. It's like a blonde dude, and he's got – Dingus, you'd be into him because I know you had that Simon Baker crush. He's got this Simon Baker quality Dad. to him. Ah, see? But he's like a bl- – he's from TV, I think. Um, Simon Baker looks like an ear of corn to me. <laughs> Pop. Also, wow. Dingus, I don't see movies about trucks that don't move, so forget <laughs> me saying <laughs> So right. at any rate, so these they're both uh, they're both trying to get with this dude, and this dude though, by the way, he's uh, like he's single, he's available, uh, and he's he he's okay. Like, right. so sure enough, they so. do they do not not the, so the girls have a falling out because they're they're fighting for for his attention uh, at the same time in the same room, and he's not quite sure what's going on. At one point, they're all going to go out to the pool. And, you got to see this movie. Today. Yeah, and Kate Upton, <laughs> Kate Upton is they're in the hotel room getting changed, and Kate Upton is like, "Well, I'm gonna go ahead and go to the pool. I know this is probably gonna be difficult for you, but that's a really cute like one piece there. So I'll see you out there." And she has, she's already got like some cleavage showing, and she unzips her little cover even down more to show more of her cleavage intentionally to Alexandra Daddario, and then she goes bouncing out, and you can see her decolletage like. You know, gravity's got an effect on that, and things happen. So she's going out, and Alex and Alexander Daddario, she's like, "Okay, now what do I do?" Shit. So she looks at her big old one piece in the mirror, and oh. you see her. You see her pick up some scissors. Oh, good lord! And then we cut. We cut to her okay. walking out at the swimming pool with the the bathing suit cut into like thin strips, and it looks pretty Alexandra uh, Daddario. I'll say, yeah. So Wait, as wins. Okay, well, so. here's the thing. So uh, Kate Upton sleeps with the dude. 
but doesn't tell Alexandra Daddario and instead says to her, you know what, you can have him, thinking that the dude wouldn't be interested anyway. So sure enough, Alexandra Daddario, she sleeps with him. And at the moment that they find out that each has slept with it, and they find out over the fact that he's got a bent dick. His dick (laughs) apparently goes at an angle, and uh, Kate Upton says something about, yeah, you can have him in his bent dick. And Alexandra Daddario is like, how do you know he has a bent dick? Kate Upton's like, well, wait, how do you know? Kate Upton's like, well, I slept with him. And Alexander Daddario's like, well, I slept with him. And they're in the little – in this like layover – it's in St. Louis that they shot this. Is, it's in, is it's in, like, a, Ben Dick actual dialogue? Uh, yes. Or broke. It might be broke. No, I think it's Ben Dick. Yep. And he even apologizes at one point to Alexander. Sorry like, about my Ben Dick. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So he lays out. He establishes that he's got a Ben Dick. Uh, this is R-rated. We don't see his Ben Dick, but – uh, there's no nudity, a lot of cussing. Um, so at any rate, they're at the breakfast area in this dippy little – it's like a Days Inn or something where they're staying, and they start having a food fight because they both slept with the same dude. And you're thinking – Are these hot dogs? This is going to be – well, you're thinking it's going to be awesome. There's going to be like oatmeal and yogurt, and there's going to be like yeah. orange juice and liquids. Smeared. Nope, just like a couple of bagels, some dry granola. <laughs> I know. On camp, what a waste. But yeah, it, it it it's a disappointing food. There's food is flung. Uh, ready, whip and it, stand back, bitches. Yep, you would think. Hey, but no. get up here. Shields. So let, let me give you guys the punchline of this movie. Though. So I did like I like their chemistry. I, I don't think it's a very good movie. I really do like both actresses in this movie. Uh, it's not a great script, but they're both super capable of carrying it. They're a lot of fun together. Uh, it's a bad movie, though. I will say the food fight is fun because it does involve a throat punch, uh, <laughs> which, which I think is is described as a death move. Uh, the guy watching them food fight is like, "Whoa, you just did a death move!" Oh, Alex- they're they're doing it. They're fighting in front of the guy. Oh, they're in front of in front of the whole breakfast area. It's a public right. food fight. Yeah, yeah. Um, do they say bent dick in front of him? He's like, Wait, no, no, he, he's actually not there. I think he walks up. The cops uh, get called in. The cops get called in. The owner actually comes up with a shotgun and says he thinks they're lesbians. It's like, okay, you lesbians, settle down. And then they, yeah, they, I don't want to see this. <laughs> and then well, we. I'd cut. rather see you than watch YouTube <laughs> fight with. Food. I'd rather blow your heads off and jump off to that. <laughs> you made it gross. I know what I am. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to Matthew on this. Well, here, here's. Here's the thing. Here's the punchline of this movie. This movie is directed by a fellow named William H. Macy. Oh. What? Yep. That is a punchline. <laughs> what? The Does William H. Macy. Did those words come up at the end, like after Kate Upton's, like right over her tits or something like, like it's, just in cursive, like a Frank Capra movie? I don't even remember his opening credits. Uh, oh, wow. By William H Macy. No, he he did a press what? junket for it and everything. Like he's done interviews where he has to pretend. What, to was, what kind of direction did you give Kate Upton in this scene where she gets a bagel in the in the mouth? <laughs> <laughs> she actually the, the funny thing is Kate Upton was not originally cast in it. It was some actress from Glee, I think, who had to drop out. Vanessa in the fact, no, it was a something something Leah Leah something. It would have been funny if it had been Macy in the middle and he didn't Aronofsky. He did say something about he didn't want to be photographed with them because they're both so attractive and he felt a little – 
he felt like out of place in photographs. Uh, yeah, and then he can enjoy the pictures later if he's in. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. That's my my favorite food fight. It's a little disappointing, but at least the girls in it are uh, having fun. Uh, I went in with high hopes. I'd give it a six. Mm. My dick got bent just listening to you. Ah, Kelly Wand. That was before you started talking about the movie. <laughs> All right, Kelly Wand. Uh, and by the way, Way you're. I, I watched this this week, having no idea that there was going to be. I, I, Kelly, I'm pretty sure that's intentional in the title. Uh, I had no idea there was going to be a food fight in this. You were just watching it for the comedy hijinks. Yeah, exactly. Mm. It's called the layover. Is it yep. R-rated? It, yep. Yep, but not for nudity, for cussing. They drop all kinds of f bombs. I mean, you know, they're they're super progressive modern women. Uh, uh, Alexandra Daddario is a she's because she's all buttoned up and proper. She's a school teacher, and early on, she catches a kid in the back of the class reading something that's not the assignment. And she's oh. like, uh, "Would you like to share with the rest of the class what you're reading?" And he's like, "No, no, that's okay." What a loser. He's like, "No, no, read it out loud. Tell us." And he starts reading tentacle porn. <laughs> like he's reading a tentacle porn uh, comic book. Wait, that's, that's the level of phrase. <laughs> you mean Lovecraft? Forum of our time. It's like it's. It, I think he says it's hentai. Or he calls it manga or hentai or something like that. Like he uses the word. And then here's the funny thing: while all the while she's all the kids then cluster around this kid with his tentacle porn, and she's like looking over her shoulder like she can't believe it. The principal, played by Rob Corddry, walks that's in funny. at that point. Yep. Uh-huh. And he's like, "What? Yeah." That's so. it. And then what? What's the payoff? She, of his she, she gets she gets fired. That's why she gets to go on a vacation in Florida with her roommate, Kate Upton. <laughs> he fires her without any context. Like, all right, I don't no, even no. know what's going on. No, there's a scene where he brings her into the office and they have the Look, talk. And, yeah. Parents are furious about this tentacle porn incident. <laughs> go with Kate Upton. What's Kate Upton's job? Uh, she is selling fragrances to corporations but the thing is she pitches the fragrance and it shows the like ceo woman of this makeup company saying this is very interesting where's it's from and she goes uh it's from asia (laughs) and the woman looks at it and she's like dprk what does that stand for and the assistant next to her is like Uh, i believe that's that's north korea and kate upton's like oh is it I, i didn't realize that so she's peddling illegal trump doesn't uh, know that stuff from from north korea and that's uh, why that's why she goes on vacations. She's fed up with not being able to sell this stuff. It burns your lips too, like it hurts your lips when you put it on. So <laughs> I thought of it. So holds Kate Upton does holds Korea. pen, holds knife like pen. Holds a knife. Oh, Dingus is doing a, a Kingsman reference. Dingus uh, remembers things about Kingsman. <laughs> yeah, it's his secret, Your Highness. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kelly Wand, we need to know now because this is obviously it's your topic. You've got something great for us. It's better than Animal House. It's better than Dawn of the Dead. What is the best food fight in all of movies? This is a movie I want Dingus to watch with his son Kiernan as soon as possible, and I want to hear Kiernan's review of it. But it's huh? the motion picture The Bad News Bears from 1976. You, you've never talked about this before. Tell us about it. Well, you see, there's a scene in it where uh, the nerdy kid, Lupus, is eating next to Tanner Boyle, who's like the lovable little racist kid, but he's small and skinny and blonde. But he's like, oh, these spicks on the team. Eh." But he's like tough. He's fiery and feisty. And so he's like, Lupus, get away from me. Stop eating near me. You're going to make me fucking puke. And then the coach's kid, Vic Morrow's kid, and his friend, 
or they're going to buy food at the counter behind them. And then they see Lupus and then he's all, hey, take the catch. And so the kids come over and go, hey, Lupus. And then they take his hat away from him and laugh at him. And then they put ketchup inside the hat and then they put it on Lupus's head. And Lupus looks depressed and they're all, ha, ha, ha. Let's do that to all of the bears and make them play better. And then Tanner Boyle like stares at Lupus for a minute, and then he gets up and he goes, "Hey Joey, you want a piece? You want my burrito?" And then the coach's kids all, "I would eat your burrito if it was something, something." And then Tanner was like, "Come on, here, eat it. You like it?" And he like smashes it into his face. Oh. So his face is covered with burrito, and he's like half their size. And then they, they both he like takes them on, takes both of them on, and they're like growling during the whole fight. They like wrestle. Actually, the friend just stands and watches because he's a pussy. But Tanner Boyle wrestles this like kid twice his size, like super, and you can hear him go, "I'm gonna fucking kick your ass, you little shit! Fuck you! You, you owe me thirty cents for this burrito." They're like totally mumbling, and then they, he sticks Tanner Boyle in the trash can, and then they walk off and laugh, but. Sounds like a food fight. Yeah. Yeah. And then Lupus comes over and goes, thanks, no one ever stood up for me. And then Tanner Boyle's like, if you wiped your nose every once in a while, people would give you so much crud all the time. And then he's just stuck in the trash can, and Lupus doesn't help him out. And the kid's name is Lupus? Yeah. It's not Lucas, Lupus. Yeah, Lupus. It's terrible. He's the nerdy kid. All right. And then Tanner Boyle's the feisty one. Hmm. But watch nope. that one and then watch Breaking Training, but don't watch Bad News Bears Go to Japan because it kind of jumps right. the shark. Yeah, Dingus, you have your you and Karen have your assignment. But it was written by the guy who wrote the thing, Burt Lancaster's son, Bill Lancaster. So keep that in mind too. <laughs> Does the burrito thing make you think of anything, Tom? Food fight wise? Yeah. No. All right. Well, uh, mention it during runners up. Okay. All right, Kelly, what do the listeners have for food fights? Uh, the listeners, pretty thin turnout, um, but I blame Kingsman, maybe. Um, Aiden Keys wrote in with a natural disaster one a little late. Are we not allowed <laughs> to read those? Uh, we'll go back and edit it into last week's podcast. All right. Arthur Jovan and Jelly writes, number three, shoot him up. Clive Owen kills a dude with a carrot, I think. Number two, Wreck-It Ralph. After Wreck-It Ralph helps Vanellope Von Sheets build a racing cart, King Candy and it... Is this anime? King Candy and his soldiers <laughs> arrive in the factory. <laughs> so all this takes place within a Mario Kart knockoff called Sugar Rush. The entire factory is made up of sugary food, which Ralph uses as weapons to help them escape. Okay, cartoons aren't movies. Um, <laughs> the most amusing part of this food battle is when Ralph uses a frosting hose to soak King Candy and his subordinates ask if he's alright. His response is, I'm alright, he just glazed me. Is that mm. a thing? Wow. Number one, Rot- Watchmen. <laughs> Sorry. Watchmen. When Rorschach is sent to prison... A fellow inmate makes the mistake of trying to threaten him in the cafeteria line. Rorschach responds by taking a vat of boiling oil from one of the friars and dumping it on the prisoner, fatally burning him. some <laughs> examples of fighting with food in movies. <sighs> was there a food fight in Logan Lucky in the cafeteria, or was that just knives and um, dog food? I don't remember. A cafeteria in Logan Lucky? That's how little I remember that movie. In the prison cafeteria. The oh, the, 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 the riot. Right, right, the riot. Okay. Yeah, they use food because it's a comedy. 
Who's funny to fight with? Keith Leith writes, hello, Bugsy Malone, number three. This is actually, you know what? I did see a couple food fights doing research, but they were from things I hadn't seen, so I didn't use them. But there's a bunch of them in, like, dance movies, Tom. So I thought that's oh. what your list would be top-heavy with, because there's, like, one in Step Up 3. Oh, there's man. There's a really good one in Whip It with milkshakes with Ellen Page. They, like, pour milkshakes on Is Whip It a dance movie? No, it's a roller bl- It's a roller derby? What's that? Oh, it's roller derby. Roller derby. Rollerblade derby. This is Number your three. Research. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was like, this is... I don't want to just have did three just things where they, where they argue about movies? food. Is that how you did research? Yeah, and I hadn't seen any of them, so I didn't use them. But I was like, I was, are there any food fights in movies? And there, were, there weren't that many. <laughs> I was stuck, Dingus. It was a long week. I know. I'm, I'm not proud. It's hard when it's your own topic. I know. That's what I thought. I was like, at least you didn't. At least you didn't whiff Kelly Wand and choose uh, all the food on the planet Melancholia, hitting all the food on the planet Earth. <laughs> and what is a planet other than food? It's got you food on topic it. for that. Chandeliers. I couldn't think yeah, of a third one. And then you guys had all these awesome ones. The listeners had all these awesome ones. I don't yeah. remember that. I actually only remember no, years. like the War of the Roses one. I remember, like that was a great. There uh, were some great ones that I just completely missed. Yeah, that's the thing. I didn't have to do research for the chandeliers one, but food fight. I didn't think I'd have to. I don't know. You know what? I thought I did my list earlier, and then I looked at it and went, "Wait, what?" <laughs> I still got. <laughs> I think I lost some notes. <laughs> Number three, Bugsy Malone. The final scene is John Woo does Bake Off. Bake Off, if you will, with the Slash. Recent news reports have changed what was a perfect kids movie into something unsettling. The real problem with Bugsy Malone is its portrayal of Fat Sam as a potentate. That enchancer couldn't organize a bun fight in a patisserie. Whoa, rude. Keith Leith's on fire. <laughs> I've never heard him like this. His henchmen are hapless boobs who can barely carry a tune. Prodigious talent wanders around his speakeasy, sometimes outright asking for gigs and he can't spot it. His facilities are lightly guarded, if at all, and he's permanently at least one step behind the competition. I was amazed to see someone so comprehensively crap rise to power until November 2016 when I realized Tubby Sydney was the American <laughs> Why didn't Keith Leith write Kingsman Golden Circle? I know, right? Why didn't anybody write Golden Circle? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Sounds like a good uh, one coming up. Yeah. Well, it's one of my favorite movies. Number two, The Man with Two Brains. Dolores Hafarar is disappointed with the answer she receives to the question. Michael, were you out on the lake today kissing your brain? She vindictively cooks Cervelier Albur Noir. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that's exactly right, Kelly Wand. You got it. I live in Europe, which Michael eventually realizes <laughs> is is his jar-born lover, Anne Mamelmehe who is rendered unable to vocalize the number nine. The fight ends like the like, Yeah, that, see, that's how they know they're, they're compatible because they both have weird last names. The fight ends like many of my dates with a man throwing a woman into a puddle with the words into the mud, scum queen, and the woman telling the man he'll soon be dead. <laughs> Actually, Mike Douglas uh, kills her. But anyway, number one, sleeper. After preliminary... Bleh, after preliminary skirmish, <laughs> where he renders a cop unconscious with blue cheese, Miles Monroe 
brings the food hurt when a foraging expedition goes awry. He beats the farmer insensible with a giant strawberry, Tom, then legs it (laughs) after he spies a chicken. He was wise to give it toes. The chicken was massive. Good day. (laughs) I remember when he wakes up, Tom, in Sleeper, and they offer him, like, some whipped cream on a plate, and he, like, uh, sleepily bashes a guy in the face with it, like one of the doctors. (laughs) Right, right, because, see, Beef Wellington is a dish, and there's a guy named Wellington who's an English duke, you see? See? Ice cream's a dish best served cold, Tom. <laughs> well, I think we all agree on that. All right, you got it, Sarah Kelly. One, see, Klingons. Markardson writes, "Hey guys, Jenna Malone, Be- Bella Heathcote, and Abby <sighs> Lee have a fight with their food in Neon Demon." Oh, oh. look what Markardson. The thing is, you can't enjoy our Glee. You didn't like that movie enough. Go sit in the corner. Only me yeah. and Kelly can enjoy this one. But I love Papa Poppy De La <laughs> that was her last name in the movie mm-hmm. but since it's so one-sided Mark Hudson continues I've decided not to include it Whoa. <laughs> yeah, he just burns an ace <laughs> takes some real stones when you're like yeah it's the best one ever fuck it I got three better number three sausage party uh, this is what I was worried about there's a lot of food fighting goes on number two whip it Juliet Lewis, see, I suck. I'm sorry, Markinson. Number two, whip it. Juliet Lewis antagonizes Ellen Page, which leads to a food fight. Drew Barrymore also screams food fight during the scene. Oh. <laughs> it's a good indicator. I like that those are the only two sentences he uses. So, by the way, Barrymore. <laughs> Number one, Blazing Saddles. This is the only Blazing Saddles pick. Near the end of the movie, there's a huge food fight, especially a pie and food fight. Thanks, guys, Chris. Blazing Saddles, Tom. The rich man. Uh, uh. There's a part in Blazing Saddles, Tom, where Slim Pickens gets slammed through a bunch of like uh, food, and then he slams into the cash register, and then the cashier go like looks at Slim Pickens' face and goes. Uh, beef tartare, mashed potatoes, cream corn, six fifty. Like she just totals up what the food he has on him. Mm, okay, that's just yeah. I could see that working for some people. You don't see her face; you just see her hand. She's huh. not Tom Jerry's uh, owner. Not that she. <laughs> anyway, that's it. Wait, hold on a minute. Hold on, Kevin. Tom and Jerry aren't they a mouse and a cat? Yeah. 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 No one owns which is the mouse, Jerry. No one owns the mouse. That's what I mean. I, that's why oh. I, I I amended what I said. Oh. But Tom. also, even okay. there was like a black lady who was always hitting Tom with a broom. That they they literally whitewashed her later. Like, okay, now she's a white chick. That's who Tom. It's not like uh, it's not like Tom's on a plantation. And you can actually see her, or you just see her hand? Like, you ever see humans? You, see, you never see her face, but you, you hear her going, Tom, you motherfucker! Whoa, wow, she's what? mad. What? The she's 50s sassy. were crazy, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Everything was hard R back then, Tom and Jerry. So, if, if we had chosen like something like Tom and Jerry, because one is, one is prey. Would oh, that could I pick, yeah, night? I pick the Revenant. I pick Revenant. I, I pick Harry Dean Stanton and Alien. Oh, that's a good one. I pick Veronica Cartwright and Alien. 
I picked Galactus and the Earth and right. Oh, dad coming. Uh, I picked the black hole on Interstellar. Remember how good Interstellar was? No. I picked the black hole and the black hole. I picked gravity. I picked the gray because it eats them. <laughs> <laughs> well, those are our runners up. Awesome. It does imply he's going to have a food fight if he's using booze bottles as brass knuckles. Like that's Do you think like an alcohol food fight. Do you think that the burrito thrown at Rebel Wilson in Pitch Perfect is a food fight? (laughs) (laughs) That's what he wanted you to think of, Tom. That is a good one. Uh, Now I'm trying to think. There's someone who's like walking on a sidewalk and gets like a whole big gulp or something thrown at them. (laughs) What is that? Is that from Superbad or something? Maybe. Um, These might be food attacks, though. That might be different. Well, I went to Drive-By Fruiting, of course, is the most famous one of those. Oh, my God. Yeah, Yeah, what? I was going to pick that. I thought about it. Until I watch, until I watch the layover with Alexander Daddario and Kate Upton throwing dry cereal at each other, uh, Drive by Fruiting from Mrs. Doubtfire was on my list. Uh, hey, if, you if, watch the layover? If shoot 'em up works, why doesn't uh, Mrs. Doubtfire? Um, Mrs. Doubtfire, not... the, it's the non-lethal version of the fight scene in Shoot 'em Up. Because if it bounces off you, it doesn't count. Like if it has to be, it has to penetrate like the carrot. Kelly, one, if I'm wearing a suit of armor. And you hit me with a sword, and it bounces off of me because you don't, you didn't roll high enough to penetrate my armor. That's a food oh, bounce. So we're not having a fight then until you actually penetrate. <laughs> One the of armor. us is. <laughs> what about when uh, what's his name slices the tennis ball and everybody wants some? Uh, are they eating the tennis balls? No, but I thought it was a lemon when I started saying it. Oh, right, right. All right, other runners-up. Those have all been good. No, none of them were good. So. All right, you guys ready for next week's 3 by 3 Because Dingus mm-hmm. has it for us. Dingus, Let's what do you got? Let's this topic. All right, so um, <laughs> these are your three favorite awkward moments. Ah, I love it. Good. From the podcast, or it's been the last two minutes. I can make about six of from those. The last couple of minutes from three by three how of this I, particular how can I topic. Settle on just three. I know, how have we not done that? That's awesome. Jeez, yeah. Awkward moments. All right, Dingus. I, I think we've there's done a... like what the fuck moments, but they were kind of like, oh, that was the end of the movie, and how did we get to that? Oh, what the fuck? This is these are awkward moments, and this is an exciting one. Okay, good. To me. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I, what if the listeners are thinking of uh, some examples? What should they do? All right, they should write us at 3 by 3 at quarter to 3com That's 3x3 at quarter to 3com And if you have any ideas for next week's movie, please also send those in at 3 by 3 at quarter to 3com And what movie are we seeing next week, Tom? Uh, not American Assassin. Do not make the mistake of seeing American Assassin – with that kid from Maze Runner, Dylan O'Brien, and Michael Keaton getting tortured really hard by Taylor Kitsch. Don't see that. See American Made with Tom Cruise, directed by uh, Doug Lyman. Uh, here's another example of – here's some of the dialogue from American Assassin because Dylan O'Brien, he's the like young upstart kid who has to prove himself to Michael Keaton, who's the hardened Cold War era CIA trainer, right? And so there's a lot of like dialogue where they're trying to one up each other. At one point, Michael Keaton says to Dylan O'Brien, who's still super cocky, he's like, "Okay, get some sleep. We're leaving at 5 a.m." And and Dylan O'Brien, his rejoinder, "I'll see you at 4:30." Ah, oh. <laughs> mm. 
That's writing. That's applause. <laughs> yeah, so that's what you get in American Assassin. Don't see that. See American Made. Let us know what you thought of it. Uh, send that those comments. Wait, what's separately. the first guy say to that? Like, uh, uh, nice one, dude. You burn. No, the scene cuts. The scene. That's that. That's the crescendo of the scene, Kelly Wand. It peaks right there. So yeah. basically, what he's announcing is, I'll be there waiting for half an hour. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna that's be cool. I really. I'm going to sit there and wander in pace. Yeah. But the movie really did – it was pretty pleased with itself for that moment. You could tell. You could I tell that it – I jokes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or 29. It just keeps going. Tell me about it. <laughs> no, you, you can say that again. Kelly, you can't even do the, – the joke is so terrible and they came together that you can't even do it. What's the bartender keep saying? One like of them shit. says, you can say that again, and the other one says, I think, tell me about it. You can say that again, tell me about it. You can say that again, tell me. They do yeah. that for 40 minutes. It's 40 minutes of the movie's running time. Is but those the bartender's doing it, too. And the bartender just says the one thing. Or, right, and then Paul Rudd like says shit. the other one. What kind of do you had? What? Yeah. No, it's, all, it's just the two lines. I think you guys are playing the scene right now. <laughs> tell me about it, Dingus. <laughs> you said that again. This oh, God. Food fight because it's food for thought. Uh, very good. All right. So see American Made. Join us for a three-by-three of awkward moments in movies. Send in your picks. We want to read them on the air. We want to know what you think of American Made because we know you're going to see it. You didn't go to Kingsman Golden Circle. No one can hold that against you. But you know you're going to go see American Made on opening weekend. Drop us a line. Make sure to get that into us before – uh, October 1st at midnight Pacific, and we'll read your, your comments. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will talk to you next week. I am Tom Chick. I've been here with Christian Murkowski. It's Christian Murkowski. And Kelly Wand. What if Coach on Cheers hadn't died and he'd been a natural born killers? What if John Denver had been Gilligan and the guy had been slapping him on? Get out of here. I prefer that we be more capable and prepared than lucky. Observation, reflection, faith, and determination. In this way, we may navigate the path as it unfolds before us. All right, and we have, what, eight more recharge cycles to go before we get to Oregon 6? Is that a question, Yes, sir? Walter, that's a question. That is correct. American pie is a food fight if you're the pie. Oh, dingus. I suppose that might be upper class humor. What about Planet Apes versus Terminators? <laughs> the hand is not a membrane, Kelly. Ah, it's true. Wait, yeah, it is. It's five of them. <laughs> <laughs>